Yeah, Stubbs is Hitler's dream boat, you know? <laughs> yeah. so this is my lovely Aryan boy who does all my murders. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I make him do anything. Welcome back to Without Limits, a Westworld podcast by LSG Media. I am Dean, and today I'm joined by two very special people, one Jessica and two Matthew Anderson, for a very special, unadvertised, coming at you, coming in hot three-way, hot takes, three people. Whew. Yeah. How you doing today, Matthew? I'm doing good. I so look forward to the. I love jumping on the new shows with you guys I haven't been on yet because, I, like I said before, it's like a new slate for me. I haven't ruined myself for an audience yet. I'm like, they think I'm a sweet baby, and I, I can't wait. I can't wait to ruin that by the end of this. <laughs> Who's a sweet baby? Fun. You're a sweet baby. <laughs> Jessica, how are you doing this fine evening? I'm doing all right. I'm just glad that I only have to do half of my normal amount of work now that Matthew is here. I can sit back I'm, and relax and just I'm the crutch. listen. <laughs> Matthew's the crutch this week. I didn't even watch this episode, guys. It's fine. <laughs> Truth be told, only watched it once. Yeah, Dean I, is actually I really in a I lot know. of trouble. I'm really on thin ice today. Which is why Matthew's here. I thought about wow. just bowing out for fun to let you guys have a crack at it by yourselves. And then I had like a mental breakdown Jessica out of fear. kind of freaked out a little. <laughs> I didn't want to spring it on you, Matt, last ah, minute. That would have, yeah, no, that would have been a bad call. And, and now, right now, <laughs> Dean's going to take his headphones off, push the microphone oh, away, yeah. and just leave the room and this entire apartment. I want to be like a daddy. Like, I just let my kid go on the bicycle or on the ice skates. Yay. And then we just go onto a freeway ramp and off into traffic. <laughs> and you're like, oh, that was too soon. I shouldn't have let go. That's they were funny. still on training wheels. Some asshat with a sheriff hat driving a car with one eye. <laughs> oh, no. I don't want to run into him. Let me tell you. Yeah. Yeah, I know, Maybe. Scott. Scott's telling me I mailed it in this week. Fuck. <laughs> I have no defense, but... The defense is that he had to watch Walking Dead twice instead. If this is your Ew. first time listening, you're probably like, why is Dean talking to a man named Scott? He only introduced Matthew and Jessica. What fuckery is this? Well, here's <laughs> what it is. <laughs> we record all of our shows live on Mixler. That's Mixler.com slash LSG-media. That's Mixler.com slash... LSD. Oh my God. Christ, it's just a stroke. LSD. About psychedelic day, huh? media. <laughs> I'm fucking freaking out because somebody whispered a Shakespeare. Fly landed on your face. <laughs> yeah. LSD media, goddammit. We have a live chat. We do all our shows there live. Come check us out. Hang out. Fucking jump in the chat. Have some fun with these people. It's a good time. <laughs> so here we are. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. We hope you enjoy the show and, um, we're going to do a couple things. We're going to open with some initial impressions. We're going to run back it, run it back, as the kids say. And then we'll get to some listener comments and uh, close out with some final thoughts or observations or questions or whatever we decide to say at the end, which we think we may have missed. Now, I think what I would like to do this week is turn this right over to Matthew Anderson. Since he's the new guy, we're going to put him in the hot seat. Gonna put him in the hot seat. Okay, stupid, Matthew. Like they do oh, in those fuck. cheesy like sports shows where they're like, hot seat. Ah, I got 30 seconds. Go. And they just yell at each other. Uh, <laughs> All right. So, Matthew, well, give us your impressions on this week's episode. And the show well, as a whole, Matthew, since yeah. we don't know what you think. Good point. Oh, and you Let's know what? what I've, you think. I've got, How many timelines do you think there are? Go. 14, 14 timelines, uh, and all of this, well, no, you know, I'm going to save some of that. I want to save, I have actually a lot to say about what I think of the show as a whole and what kind of where I see it going and even things I'm a little worried about. 
I want to save that for my final thoughts. But uh, as far as this week's episode, really fucking enjoyed it. This is the first time I've gotten to talk about this. Um, I loved that we started where we did. I like that it picked up pretty much right where the last one left off and we get to deal with Bernard's grief. Uh, I thought that was a really beautiful, sad, tragic way to open the episode. And where it moved from there was fucking excellent. I think my favorite thing about this show by far, I mean, the concept of this show, when they were advertising it, you know, and me and Dean have covered the original Westworld movie for the science fiction film podcast, which I've always loved the original movie, you know, written by Michael Crichton. Always been a fan of that. So nice, I was excited nice about this. Nice product placement, baby. Nice product placement. Yeah, that's right. Work. Wink, wink. <laughs> but no, I, I've always loved that movie. I remember seeing that very young. Really excited when the series was announced. And I love the whole core concept of the show. I still think is very interesting. I have a few problems with some of the way things are playing out. Like I said, I'll get to that later. But my favorite part of this show, heads and above everything else, is the performances. Especially Jeffrey Wright and Anthony Hopkins. I think they are phenomenal like i every scene between those two i am like keyed in um so i loved that the episode began here this is a strong episode overall i feel like i could be wrong you guys would know better than me on this but i feel like this episode included a lot of stories that they normally don't touch like a lot of episodes will be a westworld behind the scenes episode with bernard and elsie and then a lot of their episodes delve a little more into dolores and william together i feel like this had had them all it kind of had every storyline touched in this episode and this felt like a very packed episode uh in good ways and in bad but i yeah no this was fucking excellent to me um yeah that's pretty much it (laughs) that's pretty impressive uh there is a lot going on in this episode and there has to be the eighth one so we got to get into some conclusions and some finales and all that jazz so uh jessica Mm -hmm. why don't you pick up where matt left off and tell us your initial impressions this week i agree that i like this episode a lot um I I like that we touch upon everybody, but I do sometimes feel like when we try to do that too much, it makes it difficult. I feel like there's a struggle shows with ensemble casts have. I feel like The Walking Dead really suffers from this like a lot more than this show for sure. Yeah, where it's like you can make a whole episode about one story and really get a lot out of it, or you can touch on a few stories and get a lot out of it, or you can touch on every story and not get as much out. I feel like this might have spread itself a little too thin but not as much as it did sometimes earlier in the series almost. Like they found a way to touch upon everything without it feeling too forced to check in everywhere. Sure. Um, And it does have to. They have to start checking in places. We can't, you know, sit around and be like, oh, three episodes ago, something happened to Elsie. What's going on with her? Like we need to have a little flash of, oh, this is what happened to Elsie. Whoops. Right. That type of thing. Um. I had some problems with this episode too, but as a whole, it, it was really good. I I love Ford. I think he's the greatest character of all time. I really hope he's in season two. He's so evil and amazing. And I don't know, Anthony Hopkins can really do no wrong. And that's what I have to say about that. Cool. Those are my initial impressions. I would say that uh, there is a lot of stuff going on. Boy, uh, like you guys said, it's definitely jam-packed for better or for worse, I'm not sure. But um, there is uh, plenty to talk about. They've given us a lot. Uh, I like the idea. Some of the things that stood out to me is, ooh, that's fucking crazy. Um, A couple things. I thought it was interesting that that they being Hale and Stubbs went into cold storage and stopped at Abernathy. Uh, I think that's funny, and I think it's great that we're going to see Abernathy again. I think this gentleman's a fine actor, 
And the fact that they're yeah. going to give him all of this information makes me wonder if he is going to play a larger role even in the next season or maybe in the next two episodes as it closes out or if they're setting him up to be something next season again because I feel like there was something about him. He showed a lot of range in those moments where he was talking about by my mechanical hand and the revenge quotes and and then the sweetness he had with Dolores. I think this guy has range. And I definitely see them making a, a, a conscious decision to bring Abernathy back into the fold by stopping at that particular host when they were thinking, okay, we're going to try to get all this information into him. And my guess is, is that it will backfire in some capacity. So I did not expect that at all. And I like that it has immediate ramifications or seemingly immediate ramifications if they're going to bring him back into the mix. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Maeve continues to be an impressive character. And, you know, there's a lot of articles online and and people talking about uh, some of the biblical connections here, these overtures of of this battle for heaven. And it made me think of the uh, the film Prophecy, if you haven't seen it. It's, it's kind of cool, and it's unique in its own way. And it's this idea that um, angels are not, in fact, good. Angels are, in fact, evil because they've been cast out by God, and now they're trying to get their revenge on man. That's essentially what Prophecy is about. And I started to think about, as people online and in other in other places drew parallels between the uh, biblical idea like there's a war in heaven and you've got is it is it Thandi Newton i.e. Maeve on one side and Ford on, on another it's kind of interesting that we haven't seen anyone with Ford's power until Maeve did what she did and sure. uh, where I think we're gearing up for for some big confrontations um, I think things are going to get kind of bloody I think we're going to see breaking glass and literal walls coming down as things get wild in Westworld for a big finale, which is going to be essentially history repeating itself, which I'm looking forward to. Um, the other thing that I think is really wild is I'd never considered this before, and I know that this has been out there and thrown around, but I, I love thinking of the idea of, and, and we don't need to trace back all of this because I don't, I don't have a strong enough memory. Interesting that we're going to talk about memory this week. To, to recall all of the scenes with Bernard. But part of me wonders, and a lot of people have said, you know, is, has, has Bernard been reincarnated as Arnold? And, and, and that's kind of what I'm trying to think. I'm almost thinking, uh, is, is, is Jeffrey, what's his last name, Matthew? Right. right. Is Jeffrey Wright, has he, before our very eyes, played both Arnold and and Bernard without us realizing that's, it. Yeah, that's Be- a theory out there. Because I think it's possible. I think it's possible now that I'm thinking back on it. Is oh, it different scenes. Oh, different my scenes. God. I just blew your fucking mind, <laughs> son. Changes Jessica's head explode. I just blew your uh, fucking mind. Because there could be know, scenes that are occurring in the past where he's literally Arnold. And yes. I think there's and a no, lot of potential this there. Is- I got to say, I love, I think that theory is super interesting. Like, I love, it's, it's a fascinating idea. But the practicality aspect of it, I'm like, that would mean that the real Arnold at some point, you know, 30, 35 years ago died and he made a clone host of him. But people in living memory knew who Arnold was. Like, you couldn't make sure. a clone of him, call him something else and have him walking around. And people are like, isn't that fucking Arnold? Like, what the right. fuck? Like, there are other people who are alive from that era. And so that to me seems like a pretty tenuous thing to be able to to keep under wraps this long so that to me is a, is a shaky part of that mm-hmm. but i love the idea that he 
that we have had scenes where Bernard's maybe sitting there talking to Dolores, and that's literally Arnold. And then later scenes, it is Bernard as, you know, the reincarnated host version of Arnold. That, to me, is, like, one of the things that makes the most sense out of anything I've ever heard, honestly. If if you think about it, too, it it goes back to the image of him not seeing himself, and that could have been just a little test. And uh, if you you look back on the scene where Ford hands him the, the photo, Ford almost seems amused, and he never really does say that that is Arnold. He just hands it to him, and he waits. He's observing how Bernard reacts to the photograph. And we know it's not. And we, of course, get get Bernard's POV on that. And uh, it, it's very possible that however many years ago it was that it's it's possible that records got scrubbed of Arnold's appearance. And it's, that's been made yeah. very clear, too, because they've specifically said no one even knows what Arnold looks like. There's not even a photograph of him. Well, People and the other thing is that we, before, we, which is on we know his... His perspective is unreliable now. So even if we see through Bernard's point of view, if he's looking at a photograph, we're only seeing what Bernard is programmed to see. It might not be what's really on the photograph. Right. Yep. And, and, and in the chat, Tiffany's saying it's possible Arnold was Ford's first bot and tested him by introducing him to public as his partner. That's, that's Ooh, a good point, too. I like that, too. That's a good point, that's too. Good. That would explain some a few different things. But I like that. And, and uh, there, there's a lot of different things I really have been thinking about now that we know, in fact, he is a host. But... We've talked about these moments out of time, but what we're seeing is a weird history repeating itself uh, where you have this thing going on with Maeve, and when that takes place, this thing going on with William, and uh, a couple of of more hints about the origin of William, or should I say, possibly, the origin of the Man in Black, and how it's connecting and what it all means, and (laughs) and it's, it's awesome, man. I like... It's been a fun show to watch so far. And uh, one of the things Jessica and I talked about recently, we, we had a long talk off mic about Westworld and what we've been doing and covering it and stuff. And we talked about that it is a challenging show to sometimes talk about because in a lot of other shows, you're dealing with observing how characters behave with other characters, what their relationships mean, what their goals and motivations are. And, uh, and sometimes that's a challenge in Westworld because a lot of it you don't really know because they get memories scrubbed. They keep repeating the same day. And then it just gets into like theory territory and what the implications of the technology actually mean, which I think is probably the meat of the discussion that you can get to. And uh, there's a lot of that going on here today. What is it? The, the ideas, the, the, the implications. I immediately started to think of things like eternal sunshine, right? The idea of if you have this painful memory, we're just going to scrub it out of you. And uh, in how in that film, Jim Carrey's like, I want to get rid of this fucking memory of this girl that broke my heart. And that's that's intense. And in Maeve even comments by saying that this pain is all I have left of her. There's there's a lot of stuff like this, a lot of implications. You can bring in the Jurassic Park thing where where uh, Jessica's the Jessica's love of her life there. What's his name? The fly. Jeff Goldblum. Where Jeff Goldblum <laughs> Sorry, says, I was just disgusted that you couldn't remember his name. Where Jeff Goldblum says, uh, you know, we, we never, we, we know we can, but we never stop to ask if we should. And, you know, that's, that's one of these things we see with how these things are treated and a lot of revealing dialogue and some of the monologuing from Ford is so important. It's something we've all been asking ourselves for eight episodes, which is we think... He says, he's talking about humans. He says, we think that we're special, that our consciousness is somehow higher than that of other things that experience consciousness. And uh, I like that talk. I like it's it's pretty fucking dark to think that way. But I also like that he dares to think that way. 
I think uh, an inventor and a scientist would would have those thoughts, would think of things like that. Fuck, I've thought about it, and I'm just a jabroni with a microphone. So <laughs> I like a lot of that stuff. There's, I think there's a lot of good stuff to talk about this week, and uh, and I'm looking forward to it. Did you guys have anything else you want to say before we break into this? I'm ready. All right. Yeah, same. Let's get into Trace Decay. Pain only exists in the mind. It's always imagined. So what's the difference between my pain and yours? Between you and me? This was the very question that consumed Arnold, filled him with guilt, eventually drove him mad. The answer always seemed obvious to me. There is no threshold that makes us greater than the sum of our parts. No inflection point at which we become fully alive. We can't define consciousness because consciousness does not exist. Humans fancy that there's something special about the way we perceive the world, and yet we live in loops as tight and as closed as the hosts do. Seldom questioning our choices, content for the most part to be told what to do next. No, my friend, you're not missing anything at all. So, we open things off with Bernard. Boy, this is pretty awesome. Um, Heartbreaking. I'll just uh, I'll just recap this, and then we can get into it. So, bring yourself back online. He wakes up. He's in all kinds of pain, and we're going to talk about that. How four turns off his emotions, and we get to see some amazing shit out of Jeffrey right here. And yeah. This is where I wrote in my notes, Eternal Sunshine, question mark. That's what I wrote in my notes, too. Yep. I, I said they were just performing the Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind on Bernard. That's right. I collect all the shit from Clementine and uh, give it to uh, What's-His-Face over there and Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, right. Fucking Frodo Baggins. Whole freaking crew. <laughs> so, you, you killed her because I told you to. You should be proud. I mean, that is quite a statement. And there's such a paradox in the way he says it, too. He's like, uh, you know, Bernard's like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did it. And he says, God had nothing to do with this. You killed her because I told you to. Which is something so godlike. Like, I commanded you to do this, and that's what you did. You obeyed my command as if I am your God. Indeed. It's it's such a weird – that's why I love this strange dynamic that he has of, like, I'm beyond religion, but basically what I'm doing is establishing a people who are totally subservient to me like a god. Yeah, there's Bizarre. there's the the dreadful irony of the Ford character in his arrogance. He does not understand that he is in fact playing God, even though he says God has nothing to do with it. Au contraire, au contraire, God has everything to do with it because you have essentially placed yourself into a godlike position with your ability to do what you're doing to these creatures. Absolutely. Hmm. Well, he goes on to talk about how he captured heart with Bernard. All of the beauty I have made, they would destroy it. I won't let them. Besides, I have a story to tell. Oof. Hmm. He has a story also, to tell. He admits it was totally necessary to make a host in order for him to actually capture the range of human emotions and implement those into other hosts. Like, I loved that. I loved that he was like, human engineers weren't up to the task of building an actual representation of the whole range of human emotions. It took making a host to be able to to do that. Like, that's it. It's like already admitting that they are beyond us. Like, they, they, sure. they, the hosts themselves are far more capable than and, and less flawed than the, the humans. And it really gives, you know, 
something to the idea that there are a lot of hosts working as humans outside of the park. Right. That's a great point. Um, By the way, he says it, you know. Yeah. If he's saying like, hey, I needed to make you to do this, like the human engineers weren't good enough. Mm. So how many other people weren't good enough at their job? So he just made someone who is better. Great point. Because that's exactly what he does. I think that's to tell us that Bernard may be the first. Maybe he was the first um host he created to work there it seems that way he seems to be pretty pretty old he's been there forever as uh, Teresa said um in the last episode i'm sure he was not the last and i think that maybe we'll see another one in the next episode that's being built in the basement right there right behind him getting that milk sprayed on (laughs) ew ew Don't you worry, Bernard. I'm replacing her with my delicious bot of half and half behind you. (laughs) Spraying it down. Uh, Is that a metaphor, you old sly devil, you? So gross. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so uh, he goes on to talk about, um, you know, they're not the first men to threaten me. Um, uh, They couldn't stop me either. Isn't he talking? He says that here, doesn't he? He does. That Arnold Arnold, felt, Arnold came to feel Arnold. the same way you did, but he couldn't stop me either, which makes me question what Arnold was either. Like he says, Arnold. He says it as if Arnold could just do nothing against him, as if he had no power. He's like, and Arnold couldn't stop me. Mm-hmm. Makes me wonder if Arnold was ever a human being. Mm, that's also very possible. Sure. So uh, I need you to clean up your mess, Bernard. Anything that ties us to Teresa's untimely demise. I like that you say Teresa like he says Teresa, Teresa now. I love that everybody says her name like that. I'm like, can I do that too? Like, is that weird? Teresa. I'm just like, Teresa. Well, you know. <laughs> Agent Clarice Starling. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it smells like you went to Bath and Body Works, Bernard. So, um, <laughs> uh, he, uh, uh, when you're finished, I'll give you the one thing that you want most of all uh, right now, essentially removing his relationship with Teresa. And this brings me to the eternal sunshine. So if it's funny that that Ford feels like I'm doing you a favor. This this has been mirrored in in historically and uh, in in a different way. I'm going to talk a little bit about it, oh, or, or even even in fiction. You know, you should you you crazy person, beautiful mind, whatever crazy person, just take your medicine. You'll be better when it crushes all of this other shit about you. You know, that's essentially yeah. what he's saying here in a weird way. He's just like saying, take your medicine. And, and everything will be okay. This is the the really getting in and removing these memories. And well, also, is, what's so, so strange is that he's obsessed with making the most human-like host he possibly can, who can display this whole range of reactions and emotional responses, but he also considers turning off emotions like the highest mercy. That it's like, And in turning this off for you, I'm doing you a favor, even though that's what he's like singularly obsessed with creating. Right. Yeah, it's it's a weird it's a weird situation because if if you stop and start thinking about like the evolution of emotional states, you know, a lot of times so much of it has to do with the idea of protecting you so you can press on into the fucking night, right? Let this fear, this this loss at losing someone you're close to, there's implications there evolutionarily speaking. I don't necessarily think it is a a bad thing. I think it's warning you that Oh no! This person you connected to—you've lost them. That matters. And then there's there's a lot of stuff like that: fear, anxiety, uh, stuff like that. You know, they've talked about things like epigenetics, where fear is passed down genetically. Yeah. I fear this growling beast in the night because 
for fucking centuries, they hunted us in the dark before we got tools and torches and light. So there's just, even children, like, they, they react in a way, like, holy shit, this, I'm instinctively terrified of this thing because of this, these passed-down genetics over time. It's, it's pretty wild to think about. And what's crazy about that is when you think of the hosts, and, and this is going to come up here soon, especially when we get into the Maeve stuff, but this idea of perfect recall, this idea that you can, these memories are crystal clear, whereas yeah. our own memories are so unreliable. They're so bad. Witness testimony is such dog shit. Oh, my God, yeah. Remembering anything is so hard. Uh, and, I, and I think as time goes on, it gets harder and harder because we are constantly distracted. I'm willing oh, to yeah. bet in the next 20, 30 years, our memory is going to be so bad as a species compared to what it was, <laughs> say, in 1983. Well, you know, there's all there are whole theories of mind that involve memory as an, an evolutionarily adapted behavior, uh, the, the, by which I mean forgetting memory. Like that, if we if we could remember everything like the host can with the perfect clarity, it would be like paralyzing. Like we, it, you could, it would be sure. hard to go about your day if every single thing. You know, if what you did 12 years ago, July 13th at six at night, you could remember it with perfect clarity as if you're living it again, it would be overwhelming almost. Sure. It's like, it, it's actually adaptive for us to be able to forget and put those out of our mind, which I think is what is something that's crippling for some of the hosts. I mean, we see this in Dolores. Like we see her being like overwhelmed and like not even aware of where she is in the moment because she's being overcome with the memories. Right, yeah, and you can't, you can't, when you rifle back through your memories, it's not like you can shut down your emotional response to said memory at the time. And yeah. that's, that's probably also an evolutionary mechanism in our minds that we don't have perfect recall because we don't want to ex just be crippled by the emotion of whatever memory it is. That's why I see shit like hypnosis is so wild, where people, are, they, they get, they, they're triggered somewhere in their fucking brain, I don't know enough about it, to remember something that they may have just buried as a defense mechanism. Your, your brain says, ooh, that memory conjures all this pain. This is like PTS, right? This memory causes, PTSD. yeah, this memory causes all this problem. <laughs> so your brain just buries it because that memory is not worth the pain. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a good trade. It's not a good barter, right? It's saying, no, no deal. I don't want this memory. That the knowledge of the memory is not worth the emotional pain, so we'll shut it off. It's it's interesting. Yeah, yeah I like that. And then um, then there's the old Eastern proverb that says, "Remembering is for those who have forgotten." Is that a real proverb, or yeah. did you just make that up the second? Nope, I heard it once before, and I was like, "Holy shit, that is mind blowing." I'll remember that forever. So if you forget something <laughs> and then you remember it, it means it wasn't in your mind at the time. I guess it kind of makes sense, right? Yeah, that's you, it. We if, can't have that kind of constant awareness of everything that's happened to us. Like, that's beyond us. We have we have figured out how to forget, basically. Thank God, honestly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> there are so many things from my junior high school days that I am <laughs> oh, thankful that I do not remember anymore. Pretty crazy. Oh, thank God so much booze has killed all those brain cells. Just gone. Thankful every day. The other thing I think, too, is it would be, I wonder if you would confuse memory with a dream because a dream could end up being a latent form of memory. I don't know. I don't know enough about dreams to know, but I would wonder that, like, would you start confusing a dream with a fucking memory if you had such perfect recall of both? Wild. Isn't that kind of what's happening to the hosts? Their dreams are ah, memories. And bringing it back. starting to... Or it could be, like, Inception and they could be in a dream within a dream within a dream. It's true, they could. But the probably kick. not. Probably not. Let's I talk about... I do that yet. Let's talk about Maeve. 
Let's. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, she's fantastic. And we, we can't skip over the line he has oh, that right. transitions us from Ford and Bernard scene to Maeve's where he's saying, you know, after I do this, after I delete these, you will finally be at peace. And that's mm-hmm. when it, the camera lands on Maeve. Yeah, he says, when you look back, is... you'll remember her with fondness or something. Yeah. yeah. A respected colleague. <laughs> yeah. He... How delicious she tasted with that Chianti and fava beans. <laughs> <laughs> So what uh, we uh, we have a new a cool uh, we have a new cool spouting out Clementine uh, uh, you know spouting out Clementine's line we got she is Clementine Clem now. 2.0 shows up I um, like that a lot because we already saw them do it with um, Abernathy right but I don't think we were as used to him or had like the same connection to him and it was jarring when you saw the new Abernathy but you kind of knew that would happen it was way more jarring to see the new Clementine as Especially because Maeve knows she's not right. Clementine. Whereas Dolores didn't. Right. It's a great point. Um, so I really like that. I really like that because we've seen this happen before, but it was totally out of my mind and I was not expecting there to just be a new Clementine in the scene. So it really surprised yeah. me and I like that. Forget. Yeah. And I, I mean, I love that Maeve has this awareness now and has to constantly keep a straight face. Like that's her, her new, you know, she spent a lot of the times in the early episodes trying to figure out what these visions she was having are, you know, this kind of weird cryptic things she was seeing. And now she has this like total awareness of it, like absolutely knows what's going on. And now you're just having to like play your part in the play and like pretend. And that's such a weird position for her. It's funny because I think if this reveal would have happened three episodes ago, Maeve would have been confused and then just went along with it. Whereas now with her perception of everything, with the way she's sort of hacked the system, for lack of better terms, she immediately realizes what's going on. And the thing I like about this is for a split second, I thought, will she react poorly to Clem? But no, because she feels badly for these hosts and the shit hand they've been dealt. So she immediately sympathizes or at least treats Clem respectfully. She's like, okay, it's fine. Like I, I'm not going to react poorly because I know that this bot down here, this host doesn't really have a choice in his programming what it has been. She is essentially Clementine. She is Clementine for yeah. all intents and purposes. Well, literally, Clementine's consciousness has been just uploaded to her. Like, she is exactly Clementine, just in a new body. Right. They went blonde this time. Yeah. <laughs> Makes little sexy up. blonde. Try that out. See how it works. Who will make more money? So we get a House <laughs> of the Rising Sun winding down on the piano. Which I love. And Maeve is hit with some memories. She wakes up wondering what is happening to her. She has some memories, of course, uh, memories that we're going to see, which the man in black will finally explain. And uh, she starts to say, I can't tell what is real. And Sylvester and Felix are there talking about her and her perfect memories. So she asks, why was she assigned the little girl in the first place? She asks what happened to her daughter and why she was reassigned. There you go. Do you want to talk about that, Jess? Yeah, well, just in general, you know, she wants to know what happens to her daughter, why she was reassigned, but she changes her mind and decides she doesn't want to know because it's all just a story created to keep her in place. And I think that shows a lot about how smart and how much knowledge Maeve has at this point, how self-aware she is, that she has this emotion, this is her daughter that was killed, these are memories she has of that, of a former life. But she realizes that she needs to not know that to keep moving on. Right. Which is funny because when we'll see this scene with her at the end, um, 
after her daughter was killed, she'll be like, please don't take the memory from me. And now she's like, I don't want to know it because it's the only way I can escape. Sure. Yeah. And I, I think this, I think you're onto something there, Jessica. I think this is like the turning point for, for May because there's that shot where she's like, you know, why, where is my, that daughter now? And he, Felix is like, I can look it up. I can figure out where they've put her. Right. And then she's just like, you know what? Never, I don't need to know. And I feel like that, little shot there that shot on her face kind of changing is her motivation changing from I want to escape and be free and and be a person who can have relationships and experience love like that of a mother and her daughter to I want fucking revenge on this place like by the end of the episode I think her motivation has turned from that to I want an army not to escape but to like wreak vengeance on Westworld I agree that's why I'm also like what you were saying earlier uh, Dean about Kind of like uh, the dynamic of good versus evil or like maybe May versus Ford. I'm like, I'm not so sure she's the good and the good versus evil by the end of this episode. I'm like, I don't know. She's kind of taking the the dark path. It's interesting, though. I like it. What do you do you want to elaborate on that a little bit, Matt? I mean, I, I just feel like. Well, for one, I have this is this is like a much bigger question that I definitely don't have an answer to. But I, I'm curious about maybe you guys have have thought about this as well about maybe there's something because of their design. Like, okay, this is actually good for as far as like the the dynamic of God and His creation. Maybe the the hosts themselves are inherently flawed and lean, kind of evil like this wrath and vengeance that Maeve displays because they're fucking designed by Ford like maybe that it's like the idea of uh, inherited sin or like if the creator is fucking you know uh, flawed then that flaw that flawed ability passes on like a, a flawed creator can't make a perfect creation like maybe that's something here where all of the androids if they're set free have sort of this ill will inherently put in them that maybe he wasn't even trying to put in but they, they just have a natural bent towards I'm going to exact vengeance. <laughs> like maybe they can't escape the actual mindset of the man who created them in question because yeah. like artists always leave by, behind some sort of flourish, right? Maybe yeah. that's and even kind of even subconsciously, at. like they're not even right. aware they're doing right. it. Right, it's like possible. He's, sure. In his mind, he thinks he's making perfect empty children who he can upload goodness or evilness into, whereas like maybe their core programming actually has something inherently flawed like Ford. Mm, I like it. But we do learn that um, she has a C6 vertebrae explosive plant. Oof. Got so that literal running stuff. Running man explosives. That literal, uh, that literal line that says even your skin is designed to keep you here yeah. comes back again. Which is, you know, in the last episode, it was like, well, what? Literally, what will happen? There has to be a reason why they just can't leave. Mm-hmm. What is it? And it's like, well, here's your answer. There's your she answer. just made you wait a week for, for the fun of it so people on the internet <laughs> could talk about it. Yeah. So Reddick is- <laughs> so we know. We know. So we can watch Twitter fucking implode every week. Yeah, it's just so so fucking Reddit can exactly. blow up. Exactly. Um, so Maeve wants out. She wants admin access, and she wants to write her own story. So she starts to really put the flex down. And it's at this point where, um, you know, uh, well, well, I guess we'll get to this, but I know that there was a bit of criticism. There has been a bit of criticism about this, and, and even still in this episode, but I almost feel like at this point, Whatever Maeve reads in Felix that she knows does not exist in Sylvester, the audience can't see because they lack her bulk apperception. But I get it. I do. You know what I'm saying? I understand that there's something in him that's different, and I understand. I think this is why they showed him trying to program that bird 
and, cr- and doing all this stuff at the beginning. Because I don't just think it's like he's like, oh, I want to help Maeve and I see her as being alive. I think that's part of it. it but is. I think part of it is a very like probably self-centered reason for him. This like guy who works in this department that he doesn't care about, who his friend shits on him all the time. He probably goes home and fucking cries every night. And he's <laughs> he like, I'm going to do something. He definitely I'm going to do something. And I mean, I'll I'll admit this too for, for, for Felix's defense. If a naked Fandy Newton commanded me to do something, I'd probably do it. <laughs> no, like no, I'm fucking, no. I, my, I can hardly pay attention during her scenes because my boner is whacking my face. Yeah. She uh, never has clothes on. She's, she's naked far more than she's clothes. <laughs> And then and and then this fucking guy goes home and he and he fucking holds his uh, Japanese anime girl body pillow yeah. that he fucking had to <laughs> senpai. It's like the guy from Archer who has the hologram like Japanese like yeah. wife. Yes. <laughs> We're gonna get married Husband next week. Oh, so good. That's what he does. That's what he does. But I I want to drop this theory on you guys and see what you think because we got established in the last episode that. There's a bit of programming that can be uploaded to to hosts to make them read other hosts as human mm. uh, and be you know oblivious to the fact that that person is actually uh, uh, a human or a host. It can you know alter that view. I think later on, once you know, once Maeve has that ability, once they you know she unlocks the aspect of hers where she can command other hosts, I think that also gives her the ability to read whether a person is a host or not. Even if she is supposed to see this person as a human being, but they're actually a host, she can see through it. And I think Felix might be a motherfucking host that she can just command to help her, and he cannot, literally cannot help himself. That would be interesting, too. It's definitely possible. There we go. So we move over to Dolores and William. They're trotting on their horsies. and uh, they horsies? They, they dismount to rests. And, uh, of course, Dolores feels as if she's been here before, close to home. She walks away, finds a bunch of corpses. They were felled with arrows. Uh, they, of course, presume it's the ghost nation. Uh, one of the men is still alive. He wants water. Logan hesitates. Ooh, hmm. His name's not Logan. First of all, his name's William. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I have so much to say about this, but continue. Uh, by the way, I think he goes a little bit Logan in this scene because Me I too. think he fucking smothers the dude while Me she's too. off getting water. <laughs> High five, Jessica. <laughs> That's a, oh my goodness. The first time I watched this, I'm like, holy shit, he's going to fucking kill this guy. Like you can see when he's yes. like, he's trying to explain like, no, Dolores, he's just going to die anyway. Like, let's just let him die. And Dolores is like, no, we got to save him. He's a kid. And William's like, oh, he's a fucking robot. What do I do? What do I do? And he's like, I'm just going to make sure this guy's dead. I'm going to get a little pillow smother, a little painless death. No one's going to know I did it. He probably like, you know, plugged his nose and put his hand over yep. his mouth he struggled a little Dolores <laughs> yeah. came back and was like oh R.I.P. dude you know you know Dolores while she's off having her like existential crisis again moment at the river you know the guy's like oh man I'm so glad to see you guys I'm actually feeling a little bit better and he's like well <laughs> <laughs> just fucking stuffs his hat into his mouth eat Stetson bitch oh my god I think that this is like and listen I mean I feel like we're all getting it's happening very quickly but I feel like it kind of has to because you can either go real slow and drag this whole, like, you know, William is the man in black thing out forever, or you got to kind of speed it up and get it done by the end of the season. This is what they're going to do. So here's yep. this nice, kindly man who loves a robot and, you know, doesn't want to hurt anybody and is a nice guy. And he's like, oh, fuck, I just got to kill this guy so we can keep moving. <laughs> he's already got the taste of blood now. He can handle it. He's good. So that is, and just his face, like how he was like tortured. Oh, and he's like, oh, 
fuck, I really want this guy to be dead, but I don't want to be a killer, but I have to. It was so good. I'm, I love that. I'm really getting into the, to the weeds of it here, but if you watch the scene, too, what, when Dolores gets up to leave and she's like, you know, he's a child. We can't just leave him to suffer. And she walks away. The music that get you know, mm. the music during her flashback scene there is really dark, but the darkness of that music starts on William's face. It's on his yeah. face as he's just sitting there looking at the guy for a minute. I'm like, oh, you're turning dark, dude. Yeah, you're going man in black. He fucking gives him the chief Bromden. Just smothers him out and with a fucking pillow. Poor Jack Nicholson. I am sorry, white friend. I must smother you now that they've lobotomized you. <laughs> but he he doesn't feel too guilty doing it because he definitely owes white guys a little. He definitely owes the white guys a kill after all the bullshit with the blankets. Wow. Uh, so fucking Chief Bromden disaster. I love it. I have no Fuck. idea what you're talking about. Well, flew over cuckoo's nest. Oh, oh God, yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> You know, Lone Star does point out in the chat, I think this is a good point. I don't want to, it would be too easy for us to see him, like, at the end of this season, like, well, I hate this place now, and I'm a hardcore motherfucker, and, like, pulling on black gloves and putting on the black hat. Like, I don't want to see anything that obvious fucking delivered, you know? Uh, but I do like the idea of him, you know, talking by the end of the season, like, I'm going to come back here. Like, I'm not satisfied with this or something. Like, just having a harder bent to him. I like it. Yeah, and, and I feel like the season can end with him not going completely evil, just kind of headed that yeah. way, and some other little thing that kind of confirms, like, you know what I'd I... like official confirmation on this, even though we yes. all know it's true now, right? Not We're all on confirmation. What do you mean? Oh, you know what I want? No, no, right no she's now. saying she wants saying I want it. it. Oh, oh, so I see. I'm saying by the end of the season, I'd like something where, like, I don't know, um, somebody calls the man in black William. Um, we see Dolores in a scene with somebody else while she's supposedly with William. So we realize it can't be the same. Th- I don't know. Just something. You know what? What I want to see, it's what simple. I would love as confirmation is for, you know, we've talked about, they've mentioned that there was an incident at the park 30, 35 years ago that was, had, that changed their, their safety protocols and everything. I want that incident to be something that happens involving William and when he leaves the park, he's personally greeted by Ford, the CEO, and he's fucking young. Yes. And he's oh, like, like oh, you know, we're, we hope that your experience here doesn't, you know, dampened uh, the, your feelings about Westworld and you would like to come back. And he's like, oh, I'm going to fucking come back. <laughs> I like yeah. that. That's fucking young Anthony Hopkins. Hell yeah. Perfect. Something like that would be perfect. Like, I don't want this. Too young, like you too said, cheesy. you don't yeah. want it to end with yeah. him, like, putting on a black outfit and be like, yeah. I'm going to kill fools. Like, I hate <laughs> now, now I am a bad guy. You'll be mine, Dolores. And he, like, twirls his mustache. You see, like, Lucille the Bat, just like Negan. You see a close-up of a fucking hand shooting to a leather glove as he wiggles his fingers into the glove. Hopefully it fits. There's no O.J. Simpson action going on here. and My glove do not fit. This show will be dead to me if it does. I will fucking be done. Oh, my God. Yeah, they have to do it smart. Um, you know, Lone Star in the, the chat says, from a show perspective, they have to reveal it by the finale somehow. Yeah, I think But they so, yeah. have to do it the right way. And like he says, um, Lone Star Kill Kid as well, which I said earlier, if he just says his name is William, somehow we hear the man in black say his name is William. Somebody else calls him William. There's something like that, something that tiny. That's all we need. And then we can still run out these two timelines for plenty more time. Sure. The yeah. transition to the man in black doesn't have to be super quick. It's but we true. have to get started now. We really have to have confirmation in some tiny way. I don't want a huge confirmation. Right. Like Ford sits down. He's like, I need to tell you a story, Dolores. And he tells like this whole story about how William and the man in black. Or, I don't know. Some, I can't. Or he like tells yeah. Teddy. He's like, listen, Teddy, my name's William. And once I fell in love with Dolores too, I'm going to be like, <laughs> oh, oh God, my barf. God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Terrible. He can't see the door. Um, well, 
So, William smothers this poor bastard to death. Yeah. <laughs> Me and Matthew are really excited about it. Yeah. And then <laughs> First he, little bit of then evil. Then he breaks through a window and runs away. That's the end of that shit. <laughs> fucking Native American music Picks blaring. Picks up sink. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Throws the water away. I don't know shit. what the fuck happened in that movie. I don't remember. But Dolores sees herself dead mm. in the water. And uh, for my ears, hears Jeffrey Wright say, find me. Come find me. Somebody says Ooh. something. It's pretty distorted, like, but. Mm. But, I, but I feel like it's not just I feel like there's her voice in there, too. It I is. feel like it's it's superimposed of more than one voice, obviously yeah. on purpose. But we also know that this conscience, this voice in their head that Arnold wanted them to hear their own voice, find consciousness. But it was Arnold's voice. So they thought they were hearing voices. So Dolores is, we're to assume, hearing a mixture of her own voice with Arnold's, sure. which is Bernard's. Just saying. I like your style. Thanks. I like it, too. So <laughs> Dolores comes back from her flash. Um, back to the present. The boy is dead. Dolores uh, shoots old, uh, old William a look. She's just yeah, like that. Y'all, y'all didn't strangle him now, did you? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me you made it quick, boy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so uh, Stubbs, Hale, and Ford. I love this scene. Oof. Oh, me too. Except I was because I wasn't expecting it. It was a great scene. I thought Teresa was going to be a bot. So they talk dead. about they talk about dead Teresa. Stubbs talks about the data transmitter. What an unfortunate end to her story, Ford says while looking at oh, Hale. Brutal. With that fucking smile. Oh, that, I know. He's he amazing. At her. That he's smile so is evil. terrifying. <laughs> he is such a monster. Like, he's terrifying. I, I feel like you could put anything on a screen in front of him, and that smile would be the perfect one. Like a an orphanage full of children burning down. That's the <laughs> smile. <laughs> God. <laughs> Truly. Yikes. <laughs> anyway. It seems yesterday's demonstration was a hoax designed by Teresa. When you find a cancer, you must cut it out. And he's just got the biggest fuck you face to hail I've ever seen. And it's brilliant. And nobody can say anything. And this is the great part right. about it. That's is he can seen. be such a douche. And, and what can Hale say to him? Nothing. Even if she thinks that Teresa was murdered, what's she oh, going to say? Does. Oh, I'm she sorry. You murdered Teresa? So he's like, great. And then he goes, Stubbs? And Stubbs like turns into robot Stubbs and is like, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Can you please Robo kill Miss Hale? Robo activated. Robo Stubbs activated. He just starts rolling up his fucking tack sweater. <laughs> they, they basically both know what the other is doing, but can't say it. Do you know what I mean? Like, Ford yeah. knows what Hale's doing and Hale knows what Ford's doing, but neither of them oh, yeah. can flat out call the other person out. They can only <laughs> no, do this little cat and mouse Hannibal Lecter game. He right. does, yeah, and and I feel like I'm not sure about how, how Stubbs would would react because I feel like Ford is still designing it to to be a uh, you know an illusion. Like he's saying, the, he's like he pins the code on Teresa. He's like, oh, Teresa had this code right. and that was trying to to leech out our information. Whereas I think he's very aware that it was actually it was Charlotte's yes. fucking code that she had given to Teresa. And so he's he's pins it all on on Teresa on a dead person who they can't disprove. Right. Right. And the best part is he pins the whole Hale instant on Teresa because exactly. now it's a leverage he will always have over Hale. Because and Hale knows that right. he, she has to know that he knows that it, she does she know. Was That's why she keeps her mouth and, shut, which is smart. I like this. I like the idea that they both know mm-hmm. that the other is not telling the truth, mm-hmm. but they just go along with it. I I love that shit. It's so fascinating to me and fun and to I gotta, watch. 
I gotta say, I know your feelings on her, Jessica, but I I liked <laughs> Charlotte in this episode. To be honest, I'm like I I think she's a better human being than Ford. By the, I think this episode fucking proves it. She's at least not a fucking monster. Yeah, I mean, I beg to differ about whatever. Matthew, we'll see. Well, you know, people who order their androids to strangle women to death, they they got redeeming qualities. I mean, just look at them. I mean, how many many host lives would you trade for Teresa's? For Teresa's? But this is exactly what I'm trying to say. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. That's the ultimate argument we have here. We got to kill Teresa to save all the hosts. I'm on team host, personally. Teresa's going to (laughs) go. Thank you. R.I.P. Lady. Thank you, Spock. (laughs) (laughs) Spock, you seem a little one-sided on this issue, but Ship out of danger. Oh, boy. Yeah, it is. Someone's going to die so the hosts can live, and someone's going to (laughs) die. Now Bernard has his job back. Did anybody want to see Bernard in the unemployment line? Yeah. I don't think so. You know how hard it is for an out-of-work robot genius to get work? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Not hard, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I mean, previous it's... experience as robot genius for 35 years. And it's just too cliche to fire the black guy. <laughs> I'm glad they I'm glad they didn't, you know? Yeah, what, what are they, Robert Kirkman? Yeah, Jesus, yeah. What is... Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll show oh, you, Walking shit. Dead. Our black characters are powerful. Powerful and they stay on the show. <laughs> That's right. They can be there for more than one fucking season. Yeah, you guys are talking shit about fucking the old evil white man, and here he is employing brothers. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. You don't love see it. Negan and Rick doing that shit. <laughs> Fuck. Shit, I'm dying. Fun. That's Fuck. fucking funny. So, Maeve. Dog, R.I.P. Junk this chat. I'm sorry, oh, that's a spoiler a. to you. You've never watched Walking Dead, and it's going to be fine. <laughs> season three of Walking Dead spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> I even think it was that late in the season, was it? Jesus, it might have been. Walking Dead's been on forever. Oh, let's continue on a show that I care about. So, Maeve, oh, Sylvester, she's a monster. I'm a monster too, though. So, Maeve, I'm says, a monster. We're monsters, according to Matt. Oh, I just want to ask one question to Matt. Um, Matt, do you think that Stubbs is the host? Do you have an opinion I, on that? I'm just curious. I don't okay. think so. I don't think so. But unless, and if I'll say this, if he turns out to be a host, then I just fucking think every goddamn person on screen is a host. Everybody's just a fucking host. Fine, we're all hosts. We're all secret robots. Right. Well, here's the. Well, that's a problem. I, you kind of once you once you present that, that becomes a thing, right? Once you once you flip, reveal that somebody's a host, it, it kind of becomes a, a sh- like a shooting gallery. Like fucking pick pick them. But I don't know if I don't know if I would equate him the robot. He's He's tall, he's muscular, he's blonde, yeah. he has blue eyes, he's efficient, he's professional. He might just be German. <laughs> yeah. He might just be a German guy. I don't know. <laughs> and I don't, what I don't want to happen to this show, because I feel like if it always becomes, if it just, everything boils down to, ooh, who's host, who's not a host, like, that's almost as bad as, a, ooh, who's going to die, who's not going to die. Like, I, I don't agree. want yes. it to just be boiled down to that one dumb question I every agree. fucking episode. Like, that's a, that is not an interesting mystery. Agreed. And I don't want it to turn into that. The reason why I asked the question before everyone, because I have said <laughs> for a long time that I really thought Stubbs was definitely a host. I was really high on that. And I have officially changed my mind in this episode. And I yeah. think he's definitely not a host because of the scene with Hale and um, Ford and Stubbs with Teresa's body. I don't understand why he would be there and be involved in that and react the way he did. And especially because of his scene with Bernard later. Yeah. Um, and I, I yeah. really was, I was like, there are two people I am certain are hosts. 
stubs. And I even like had like a specific scene where there was some one tech I had never seen before. And I was convinced it was in the past. I mean, I was really on board with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Bernard, I was convinced they were both hosts. And now I am out. I do not think Stubbs is a host anymore. Boom. Even though he is yeah. a handsome, muscular white man who is very strong <laughs> and very smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm with you, though. I don't want him to be a host. I want him to be... Because and it makes it interesting, you know, I, and I feel like the show proves this even with there's still a lot of, you know, Ford behaves with a lot of intrigue in front of Stubbs. He, he, he's masquerading a lot of things, whereas I feel like he wouldn't even bother with that shit if he knew he could just wave his hand and make Stubbs not hear anything. Mm. Right. Yeah, Stubbs is Hitler's dreamboat, you know? <laughs> yeah. so this is my lovely Aryan boy who does all my murders. <laughs> uh, I make him do anything. <laughs> Just take a look around and see what he can do for me. I'm telling you. I look nothing like this race I propose. <laughs> right? I'm a small, tubercular, fucking dark-haired little shit. They didn't like my drawing, so I showed them, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, I guess so, you fucking crazy bastard. <laughs> Hope his professor was his professor was probably fucking Russian. I don't know. Fucking killed enough of those people, poor bastards. <laughs> All right, where are we going to? Maeve again? Yeah. Sylvester says that there is an investigation. Everything is Foxville here, man. I'm freaking out, dude. I'm gonna lose my job. I'm so fat. <laughs> He's not that fat. And I'm, I'm he is joking. So stupid and so douchey. I don't know why I, don't know why I called him fat. I don't know why he did either. But he, it's funny that he's so he's like the brass is all wound up. There's something's going on. There's an investigation, and Felix is like into us, and he's like, "No, dumbass, I wouldn't be down here fucking still conspiring with you." But he does miss the point of, well, yeah, if they're all up their own ass about some other crazy conspiracy, they're probably not paying attention to you guys right now. This sure. is probably the best cover you've gotten yet. I agree. Yep. Uh, Maeve has to go uh, back to playing dumb, she's told. Maeve asks about Arnold. Hmm. And then uh, Sylvester and Felix have a little chit-chat outside. Sylvester comes up with a plan to wipe Maeve. Did this shit not remind you of 2001, of fucking how watching the two people talk all their backs turn, totally fucking hearing it, like totally reading their lips? Mm -hmm. 100% cheating. I can't do that. Uh, So Felix says he can't because she's awake. Uh, and Sylvester says he's going to try to fix whatever this fuck up is that Felix has started. And uh, we cut away from that. But yeah, that is very 2001 with Hal just chilling as they talk about him. He's like, I know what you're doing. They're so stupid. <laughs> but I, but again, I actually don't think that Felix is stupid. I think Sylvester is stupid. I think Felix is smart. And I think he probably knew that Maeve was listening to them. I, I really feel like. I, yeah, I, I, I think they probably like already. He knows a like. I, I feel like he's more intelligent than we're giving him credit Felix? for. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I feel like yeah. Sylvester's actually just an idiot. And I wish that he <laughs> was dead, but he's not. I don't think okay. he's. I don't, I don't think he's too dead. much of That's an really idiot mean. for that fucking profession. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't, he works at the lowest minimum wage level, Dean. So <laughs> I don't know. Minimum wage. I'm pretty sure Westworld pays above minimum wage. I mean, he could be bagging groceries, or he could be working. Unless in you're Westworld. literally the guy that's hosing out vages. I'm pretty sure. That's where Sylvester I started. Been, I could have bagged fucking groceries at Kroger or sawed open sternums on dead hosts, but I, you know, it I started off. It started off. I used to get coffee for Ford and Bernard. Then they moved me up to vagina hosing. I was in <laughs> vagina hosing for four fucking years. I now, put in my hours. I've hosed down vaginas. I wiped up dirty dicks. I worked my way up, pal. I'm a hard working guy. 
Um, in the oh, chat room, Junk Fist and Lone Star Kid are talking about Felix and Sylvester definitely being hosts and stuff. And I do have to say, as somebody said, you know, they're both designed to be stupid hosts. And the guys who made them name them after dumb cartoon cats is a big dumb joke. There is a little something the fact that they I do have cartoon possible. cat names. Holy I think it's shit. I mean, is that not really funny? Because that's something that's bothered me for a long time once I realized I did that was not actually catch their names. that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for, for a long oh, this is my friend Garfield. <laughs> Yeah, and then the next guy is going to come in, Garfield. He's also working with Sylvester and Felix. Garfield um, I don't know where Marmaduke is. I think he's in a different department. Garfield brought lasagna to work again? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, this show's gotten real dumb fast. Yeah. This show used to be so good. What happened? <laughs> oh, fuck. Holy shit, Heathcliff. <laughs> What's the uh, name of Garfield's girlfriend? Nermal, the little gray cat. I don't know. She's going to be there, dog? too. No, but Heathcliff's girlfriend was hot. She was. That's a cat I could really get into. <laughs> That's a, that is a dog I would fuck. That, I tell you what, Heathcliff Heathcliff's girlfriend is is an anthropomorphized cat I could definitely fuck. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't know what's happening there. right She's now. But I feel real uncomfortable. I feel like a, I have to move my cats out of this house. Kind of got a. <laughs> and normal is a cat, by the way. She's got a junkyard look to her. Looks like you're she gonna can, report. You're gonna call Cat Protective Services, Jessica. Yeah. 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 She looks like she can take one on the chin. I'm just going to post a picture of Garfield yeah. and Normal snuggling in the chat in case hmm. anyone wants to look at that later when they're feeling sad. Andrew's telling me he lives in a garage. I know. I know. Heathcliff's girl looks like she got some street in her. <laughs> Wait, who lived? Who lived Fucking <laughs> Heathcliff. Heathcliff the cat. Wait, who's Heathcliff's uh, girlfriend? Why don't I know Heathcliff? I don't know. Probably not as hot as I remember, but when I was a kid, and so I started our current to theory of Westworld is that Heathcliff is going to fuck Garfield to freedom, I guess? Yeah. Is that what we're saying? Heathcliff looks just like Garfield. This isn't right. Yeah, well, you know, it's the 80s. What are you going to oh, do? Oh, I see his girlfriend, this little white cat. Was she white? Damn, I'd have bad memory. <laughs> see, f- failed memory. Oh, wait, or is she this bitch right here? This, Whatever like, one... sexy-looking cat wearing, like, knee-high That's socks. the one. <laughs> That, Holy shit. That explains why I like tall socks, god damn it. It all goes back to my childhood. I'm going to post a picture of Heathcliff and his gang in the chat, too. The most, yeah. the most confusing sexual awakening. <laughs> <laughs> this is going right. off the rails Let's real fast. Oh, my here. God, you're right. They're fucking... <laughs> 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 fucking weird. All right, let's rein it in. I hope nobody so, just joined the chat right now. Like, oh, I can't wait to hear some talk about Westworld. <laughs> <laughs> So the man in black and Teddy, I've always admired your resolve, Teddy, but you are destined. We call him Theodore all the time, which I like. You are destined to be the loser. You see the house always wins. The men dismount and find some dead people. But before that, he has a brief flash of um, the man in black at the Abernathy Ranch. Nice. Teddy does. Yes, he does. That's important. He is starting to remember. This is the first. I I feel like this is really only the first time we've seen Teddy remember. Right. Something like, that's we, we've actually seen real. Him, yes, like he's. We've seen him get his memories of Wyatt, but we saw you know Ford upload that to him. Right, exactly. There this you go. is some real shit. This is some real shit. Uh, we see the gal from the. Uh, we see the gal from the beginning of William's introduction. Oh. Um, that is, of course, fucking. I told you, it's what's his name's wife. Whose wife? Her name is Tallulah something or other. I should know this by now. In, in what? Elon Musk's wife in, in real what? life. Oh, that woman. Holy shit! Who's Elon Musk? Okay. What are you talking about? Founder of SpaceX. We don't want to get off too much of a tangent. So okay, I'm really while we talk about the show, you can Google Elon Musk. Wait, but I have a lot to say about this lady. Just kidding. Okay, so talk but about really. the lady. I just want to say that I, you know, just want to point out I like his reaction to her. Oh, it's you. I figured they would have retired you. I like yeah, that. That was awesome. Little, um, oh, I'm William. 
little nod right there. Sure. So she's beat up, tied up. She says it was Wyatt's men. The man in black says, it's you, like you just said, they get attacked by a weirdo in a crazy fucking, like, helmet. These guys are so creepy. They manage to overpower this thing, and uh, Teddy has the memory of the man in black dragging Dolores. Teddy smashes the man in black in the head, which I did Oof. not see coming. I didn't expect him to react so immediately and viscerally to that. Same. Dolores. Yeah. I just have something to say about Tula Riley, if I can just throw it out there. And this other guy, Elon Musk, he's already not going to love this. Anyways, she was married to him from 2010 to 2012. And they got divorced. And then they Briefly. got remarried in 2013 and divorced again in 2016. So uh, they're about oh, wow. due to get married again, probably, in 2017. <laughs> so on New Year's we'll Eve, expect, expect an announcement of their third engagement. There you go. Okay, Dude's a billionaire. Stick with it. Shit. He's very pretty. And he's very, like, looks like a silly billionaire. So I feel like he should stick with her if he can. Okay, I'm done. Matthew. Yes. You said you were surprised that, that he reacted so viscerally and immediately. I, I was too. What Did you think he might have tried to play it cool, or what were you thinking here? Well, I was thinking that, that yeah, that it was going to be oh, a slow realization and him maybe slowly conspiring against or, or you know, confounding Men in Black's plans. But I think, you know, Men in Black, the Man in Black set himself up for failure because of, you know, bringing up Dolores and motivating Teddy to even go with him by mentioning Dolores and, oh, it's the magic word and all this shit to where the moment he had any memory associated with the Man in Black and Dolores and what he did to her, it was going to provoke this kind of reaction. Like, he's he's so invested in her. He's so, like, he's wound tight over Dolores. And so, the, yeah, the more I thought about it, I was like, well, this makes sense. That probably is how he'd react as soon as he made that uh, association. Yeah, I like it. So um, after he gets smashed on the head, we cut back to Maeve, and we go, um, we see her getting wheeled around. She's commanding the murder to go, because at this point, she's accessed everything. She knows where everything is, right? Because she's like to the she's left. She's reading the, all she's their down. Um, notes oh, yeah. about the building, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's when Felix is like, we have to shut your system down now. And Maeve tells Sylvester, Sylvester good luck. Uh, Sylvester says, is she out? Of course, Felix confirms, and then he hovers over the reformat button. And then we go over to Lee, who they are apparently not done with. Oh, God. He's actually the worst character on the show, right? Like, that's not just me, like, talking shit. Like, he's really terrible, Matt, right? I'll let you talk to Jessica about this. Why, do you like him, Matt? Because I don't know if I can handle that. Uh, I don't... Oh, God. No, I'm saying I don't really, I don't have any, I don't know what, of any character on the show, I'm like, what the fuck are we going to do with this guy? Like, I don't get what he's about yet. He seems like he's just there to be somebody's pawn. At some point now, he's Charlotte's fucking pawn. And like, I don't know, he just, he seems to get stupider with time. Like, he's just a a goofus. Like, I don't know. I don't know. what He's definitely, well, you know what? I was just about to say he's definitely human, but now I don't know. I think he is a human being, um, but I don't get why he's around like I, I don't know like even in this scene he is just a secondary to to charlotte charlotte's coming here to use him to build a backstory for this character which they're going to smuggle out instead of trying to transmit the information they're going to use our fucking unfrozen abernathy as a carrying device and just have him leave westworld pretending to be a customer so all she really needs him for is to make up a backstory unlike any he's done before which this making up a backstory that this guy is familiar with the real world and is a person yeah, it's a good point. But otherwise, I'm like, well, that's it. That's all you're here for. Like, uh, I don't know. He's here. Know. He's here because he is the guy who writes the narrative. He must be a great writer because he's such an annoying human being, and he does stupid <laughs> stuff with 
with the drinking and the acting crazy and the throwing hissy fit when he doesn't get to write his narrative or when his Indian that in, from his storyline is too big of a nose. Um, I, I mean, yeah. right? He he must be a really good. Maybe writer. it's the showrunner uh, or suggesting what they think about all the whiny drunk wine or writers they have to work with. <laughs> true. There you Maybe. go. That's Just true. Just a big middle finger for them all. Yeah. Fuck you, you fucking annoying cunts. Um. So, <laughs> yeah, I. I um I think they've already established it. He writes the narratives. That's his job. It would be silly if they were going to come up with some kind of backstory. They have to go to him. So I kind of like this war makes for strange bedfellows. We see Hale having to recruit Lee to do this because she has an idea. She has a plan. She's trying to enact that plan, and she needs and Lee to do it. She knows he's the only person she can trust because he's the only person not— You know, it's really— we're setting up a pretty big conflict between Ford and the Westworld Park itself versus their the board of the company of Delos, which controls them. And she's the only person from the outside, from Delos, who's here. Everybody else seems to be pretty, even if they're not even totally aware of it, the culture of Westworld at, at the park is very much about we're against the company and we're for Ford and for the park. And she is the she realizes he's the only guy who fucking hates Westworld right now, who got drunk and pissed all over the fucking, you know, control area, like where she's like, ah, I can trust you not to fucking kowtow to them because you hate them because uh, you're a whiny bitch ass writer. So <laughs> I can trust you to not bail on me. The and also I'm hot my... as shit and you're a fucking dumb guy who wants to bone me so I can use that. Yeah, but all every points. guy wants to bone her. I think it's I think it's what you're saying. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yes, yes. Yeah, they are. So we move back over to our girl Maeve coming in hot. So well, that's just like we're gonna oh, kill always. her now, right? Let's just kill her. Let's do it now, now, now. <laughs> no, sir. Bash her head in. No, come on. Push the button. Bash her head in. But the way the way we even in the prior scene with them saw Felix just like hovering over the button and not able to press it, that struck me as like host. I can't pull the trigger on a gun kind of shit. Like I've been given the command to not do this by Maeve, and I can't exercise it even if i wanted to right dude this was shocking when she says your friend has more compassion than you than you you were just going to snuff out a life and then she says they've been tinkering with the code want to check it out boom cuts his throat i was like damn son i did not expect that yeah dean's reaction because we just watched it right before the podcast and i had already seen the episode and he had it and he like was like oh like he was so surprised (laughs) like damn so quick and i knew it was coming i was so excited because i knew it was like such a shocking like unexpected moment that she just like slits his fucking throat the the throat cut is as unexpected as them healing it with their fucking tricorder the little quartery tool (laughs) <laughs> yes. right but i think i think she is fucking at this point so hyper intelligent and calculated that she purposely did a shallow cut I she think wasn't so. trying to i agree her. like but she I... could she could calculate that and go Whoop, and just like cut you open and scare the shit out of you but yeah felix can still save you yeah. i agree and she's i love her <laughs> yeah she has precision because oh, i would have slit yeah. his throat too he's so annoying <laughs> but not really but just kidding okay Let's move on. So I like the part where I like the part where they do heal him. It matters because we have to remember that these guys have been wounded over the years and we have to see how do they regenerate the skin tissue. And I think this goes back to something said in maybe the first episode where Ford says, you know, we have bodies, we can fix anything, we can cure diseases, we can keep most of us alive. I think we're supposed to believe that in this future world, the technology is so advanced that sickness and, and wounds and all these things can be handled. And I think we see that play out in the repairing of the skin, which is definitely some sort of 
generated flesh because it feels yeah. like flesh and blood. And they just, like, they heal this guy with this tool that they would use to heal a host. The fact that it works on Sylvester, unless he is a host, which I don't know about that, yeah. means that this is whatever this tool is that they're using outside of some crazy Star Trek technology is something that works on flesh and the flesh of the hosts and the flesh of people are one and the same. I like that you're like, this is like some super sophisticated technology. I'm like, oh, that looks like a quadri pen. <laughs> like, I think it's like an actual medical tool. That's kind of yeah. sort of like I've seen used in like animal surgeries before. Like that could probably work on humans next too. Does I it? Uh, uh, you might be educating me here. I don't know well, anything I, about that. There's um, there's like a tool, like a quadri pen and um, you use it to like um, basically stop like bleeders. Like when veins are bleeding a lot, you cauterize them and it stops oh, them from bleeding. Yeah. Gotcha. So I'm assuming it's similar to that. I'm just a little more. It did, yeah, it does have a burning think... sound. It's like ss, yeah, like burning, yeah, and he's sure. like, ah. Yeah, there you go. <clears throat> I imagine that's somewhat what the technology came from. So she brings up the now it's time to record, recruit my core army, and Maeve steps into Westworld. Of course, she's confronted about her tab, and then mind-blowing shit just starts to happen the next few minutes, Matt. Take us through this. To the fucking tune of Back in Black, Amy Winehouse fucking loved it. That was good shit. But yeah, this is one of the biggest moments of the series so far, when she turns and speaks to the bartender, and we see his face even just like contort out of control, and he's like, it's time for a drink on the house. <laughs> You're right. I forgot how to think. Like, she, yeah, she just starts- we've seen... She just We've starts seen no uh, one. fording these people. She just starts pulling yeah. a Ford. And that's, and that's exactly it. It's not that she has the control that engineers have. Like, engineers have to come down with their little tablets, their little sure. fun future tablets, and crunch up commands to freeze people or change what they're doing. She is the only person we've seen outside of Ford now just speak actions into people, into other hosts. And Unbelievable. And make them obey. Like, Unbelievable. that is fucking huge. Like, she is going to be a monumental... I mean, the biggest threat to Ford and, and Westworld now. Like, it's been established yeah. right here. Yeah, I like it. Uh, so she sees the little girl outside of Mariposa, and that's when the memory of the man in black comes booming into her mind. We see the memory. We've actually all seen this before in the show. He comes in, she shoots him, nothing happens, and then he stabs her. She's recalling this memory, of course, with perfect clarity, the curse of the machine. And then she sends Clementine off for tour, she sends the bartender away. She starts to dismiss people. And then that. Hector comes to town. She's dismissing people because she knows Hector's coming to town. <laughs> she wants to save keep him them. alive. That's right. That's right. Boom. Hector shows up. Uh, I love Hector's arrival every single time. I said this when I was watching the episode before. Every time Hector comes to town, we get the arrival of him and his like gang. I always love it. Like with their... <laughs> it is fun. their um, you know, blankets over their heads, um, coming in like the freaking horsemen of the apocalypse. I yeah, just very love it. cool. Uh, he's state the name of your business, Mayhem. Boom. And Cute. why do you guys, why do you think she lets Hector successfully run through his entire plan? Because correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like the narrative, the official Westworld approved narrative is that they come into town, try to rob the place, and the marshals show up and kill them all. Yes. Is that what's normally supposed to happen? So she's saving them from that. She is she just wanting to disrupt the official arc that is issued by Westworld? No, nope, I think she wants to literally recruit Hector and his in the gang right now to start doing shit for her. I oh, I, I actually okay. think there's like this weird like not like this romantic type, but kind of there like is I think that she though. has this chemistry with Hector where she has 
helped him and he's helped her before in like inside of Westworld narrative-y type things. When she first realized, you know, that she was a host or in a way or that if she got killed, they come back to life. She was with Hector and she's like, none of this matters. I feel like there's this part of her that wants to bring him in on it. Yeah, I think you're right. I also think we know that she benefits from the idea of memory. So right. she has a connection to Hector that he might not realize. Right, right. right? Also, she, he's handsome and we've got to keep him in. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Just um, so I have a couple of questions I'm not sure about, but I think it's interesting that she wants to start recruiting her core army, she says. So she wants Hector, she wants Armistice, and the rest of these bad hombres. So she starts to save them from the sheriff. She has some of the marshals shoot each other. Now, I think this shows me something. This shows me that Maeve can issue little commands that these hosts will follow, but that she can't totally reprogram them. Because why not walk out into the town square and just recruit everyone? And I think that that's because that you need the tablets and you need to get into that portion of it. Like you can just speak, mm. Ford can just speak to the hosts and use voice commands and, and things will happen. And some other people can speak to the hosts because we've seen other people try to use voice commands issue before commands, and either it yep. works or it doesn't. Um, so maybe basically has the same power as somebody like a Bernard, like a Stubbs, which is someone up higher up, way higher up. Right. But and it's, it's based off of storytelling. It's like she rewrites their narrative. Exactly. It's not that she it's not that she issues a command like stop and they just freeze. It's that she writes the story so that they think about it differently, so that they choose to act differently. Like she makes them think they've made a choice. She's altering their consciousness versus yeah. stopping their motor functions. Right. right? But but for yeah. her to completely change their story, for her to be like, okay, here's your story now, here's your new backstory, that she can't do because you have to actually yeah. sit and write it and sure. spend the time and and actually have the host shut down, and that's too much. I mean, I'm sure she could. She could call her Give friend Felix and say, hey, bro, let's chill, and let's write Hector a new story. Mm-hmm. But I don't think either of them are story writers, so they'd have to get Sizemore in on it. Right. And we don't need any more of him. Yeah, I think that's the point, because otherwise, <laughs> why not just try to recruit everyone else in the town square? I think I think she wants people. She know, and, and I don't think she can reprogram the host. So we know, if we, and we've seen, that the hosts have a certain set of skills a certain set of skills that they're all programmed with. And uh, she knows that these people have particular skills that are martial. And she wants those martial skills that she can put to the fucking test. She doesn't want a jabroni who's going to be in the way who only knows how to churn butter. And by churn butter, I mean jerk people off. She, she wants somebody who can wield a gun, who has some ruthlessness, who has some of those assets and attributes that she's familiar with now that she has the now that she knows about that stuff she's self-aware to know about those skills and he's somebody who has listened to her before where they've been in the situation where people are banging on the door and she's like hey can you cut me open and dig a bullet out of my abdomen please and he's like oh shit i don't want to do that but then he's like all right i'll do it can you cut a hole in me in blood make out with me while boning me as we get cut down like yeah and that too i was gonna get there and then they bone and he, people are going to come in and shoot them. And she's like, hey, let's just do it. It doesn't even matter. And he's like, all right, maybe I really like you. I think we're <laughs> yeah. going to have a beautiful future together and have a shipping name soon. That That's dude, it. He's under the same spell that Felix is. He's like, well, I mean, I guess I'm going to get shot to death, but I'm banging you. So, OK, it's fine. Fuck it. Oof. I mean, honestly, I feel like a lot of people could fall under that spell. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So let's move on. Uh, so the music shootout happens. Marshals decide to practice draws on each other. We go back to Ford and Bernard. Ooh, this is a scene. This is a scene. This is good shit. Thank you for what dealing a... with a situation. Now we can resume our new narrative. And I love, 
I love this. I don't. I still don't quite understand Ford's thinking here, but I love him. Just the quote from him of saying, "What an odd position you're in. You're a machine that understands human nature and your own nature as a machine. Like just the weird tipping point, the balance that that Bernard has to walk. Like it's such a weird dynamic. Yeah, it's a tough one. Bernard asks about Hale. Ford thinks they can keep her at bay. Ford asks Bernard what he feels. You're a machine who knows his own nature. Okay? So we're hinting at sort of Bernard being having this Maeve thing coming. Bernard says some cool stuff. He says, I understand that I'm code, but I don't really understand the nature of what I feel or what my feelings are. Are they real? That question is amazing. Oh, yeah. That question is a question that exists because you're plucking this this sentient life out of something and just saying, here you go. The only reason any of us listening to this show or doing the show or now think our feelings are real because we experience them, but so does Bernard. So the only differential is we say, hey, do you feel like this when this happens? It kind of feels like this. And you go, yeah, I kind of do. And we go, oh, so it must be real, right? That's, <laughs> that's the frame of reference we have. We know it's real because, A, we can observe it happening to us. So we go, okay, this must be real because I'm observing, I'm observing it happening to us. But does that mean somebody else can experience what we experience? And when they experience it, is it the same thing? It, it's kind of wild that he starts asking these questions. And that's when Ford kind of just says, well, it's a kind of fiction, really. And Bernard asks him the difference between my pain and Ford's. This is something that we've been talking about the whole podcast. How is Dolores's pain or Maeve's pain or anybody's pain any less important than a human's pain if they're programmed to feel the same exact way that we do? Yeah, that's exactly it. And that's the thing. I mean, the big distinction for me is that, okay, you've invented the circumstance. You've invented a story for a host, but the feelings they have in response to that story are their own. You didn't write their feelings. Like mm-hmm. those feelings are just as real as anybody else because you you wrote the origin. Here's the thing, and now that person or that host's response to that thing is just as real as any other consciousness's response. Like that's how they feel. And like to me, like you, know, you mentioned actually on the last episode, you guys last episode, you know how Jean Luc Picard wouldn't stand for putting down, uh, you know, in the next generation, putting down androids like this or you know eliminating hosts like this because they are beings like once you have right. a self-conscious ai that can think for itself is aware of itself it has feelings and responses to things that are beyond what it was ever programmed with that is for at least in my mind all intents and purposes a life and it's ethically wrong to just sure. turn it off it's the same as murder like these are creatures these are our beings and that's why I still have a hard time putting a thumb on exactly how Ford feels about them. Because in this scene, he's like, well, Arnold, you know, can't ask that same question. It drove him mad. For me, the the answer was right there. And I don't really even think about it. Like, you know, there isn't this distinction. There isn't this big distinction between us and how we, you know, process feeling and pain. He's like, it doesn't matter. But that still doesn't really say much about does he value the life of hosts or not? Because we saw in the earlier episode, you know, when he's displaying that, hey, don't feel, don't don't try to hide them when they're naked. They don't matter. And he just slashes their face and he's like, it's just a fucking robot. So I don't know. I am I am up in the air as far as what Ford really thinks of the hosts. You know, it's funny. I think I've thought about this a lot because we we've 
it's easy to think, oh, he's a mad genius. He's so evil up in his tower. But then you think, if if part of him believes that he is really, you know, when Teresa threatened everything, and to him, it's not like you just threatened him and a bunch of toys. It's like you threatened him and all these beings he's created. And that yeah. that is him for better or worse, and he could be a crazy person to do it, but the fact that he was willing to get rid of Teresa to save what he believes, and he even tells Bernard, she was going to just take you all down. Like you, He tells her as much. And, and, and I believe in some way he thinks of them as sentient beings, but where his crazy God complex and megalomania comes in is the fact that he controls everything. They're free yeah. to do as he wishes. <laughs> you know, it's, it's weird. Yeah. And, and the word slavery is popping up in the chat. And, you know, there's definitely a lot of like, like uh, you, you could talk a lot about some of the, some of the metaphorical ties to slavery and that idea. And um, it's something we haven't talked a lot about on this particular podcast, but it's, it's, it's certainly a reality uh, when you start to think about it that way. Um, I almost think in, 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 I, but I am so, so much of my thought process is around the idea that, yeah, he does weird things, like he makes him sit without clothing and he does things like that. But part of me wonders if he does that because he wants his staff to not get attached to them or something. Yeah, yeah. Because I do think, you know, this is uh, one of my, I don't know, larger thoughts about the show, or like just the show in general and the character of Ford in general and what what Westworld is or means. But I feel like part of this might all boil down because he says in the scene to Bernard, he's like, you know, human beings are just as, you know, trapped as as the hosts think they are you know they are they run in just these you know they think they have, are free beings in a world but they run in these very small circles and are mostly content to let other people tell them what to do Indeed. like that's what human beings are you're not he's like you're not missing much as being being a host and i think for ford his own individual escape from you know the isolation of being a human being who has to be told what to do is to invent his own world and be the god of that world and not be told what to do but do the telling and like for him that's why he holds on to this so tightly because that's how he personally feels free as a human being by being the god of these (laughs) beings there's like something about the idea that you know these hosts does he see them as human as not human as wherever it is and we're like okay well He's like the God to them. He, you know, that he's so hard to read with all these different things. And I agree, but I I feel like he thinks that they're human and sentient and they're getting to that point. But I don't think he cares. And I don't think he values human life either. That that he's just willing to kill Teresa to have Elsie killed. um, So on and so forth. I, I literally think that he does not care about either humans or the host as far as, he just wants to be in charge and in control. And I think that's all that matters to him. I don't yeah, think like think there's that's... almost even a difference to him, except that the, the hosts are probably easier for him to control. So that's why he's <laughs> yes. not killing them. He favors them because he can yes. fucking control. Them. Exactly. But no, I think, I think you nailed it. Jessica. And I think like that expression, like seeing the forest for the trees, like this guy only sees the forest and human beings or hosts are just fucking pawns in the way of the forest. Like exactly. I'm tending to the forest at large, whatever individual trees need, get, need to get cut down to save the rest. Fine. doesn't matter if it's a host or a human being. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. That's exactly what I think about him at this point. I do love the line where he says, we can't define consciousness because it doesn't exist that's fucking a stellar line as well it's Love a it. great line and it's something philosophers throughout the ages have debated oh yeah the idea of self-awareness and sentience and what does it mean to be alive and is there a soul this 
this shit is is still debated to the day, right? This this kind of stuff about what does it mean? What is what is self awareness? What is consciousness? What does it mean? Does it create some sort of hierarchy? How does it matter? What 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 difference does it make? It, there's yeah. a lot of that stuff, and that you know this is cool that he kind of brings this into it, and he almost uses it as an excuse to to handle these creatures the way he does. But like you said, you you know Matt, when you when you mentioned the John Luke Picard thing, that that episode is funny because it's literally these these like nano creatures. They're they're naked to the eye, but they display like a self awareness and a sentience in that episode. And this guy's like, okay, just fucking hit him with this gamma beam and let's fucking go. Like we're late for a conference that that's important and, and people's lives are on the line. And and it's funny because it becomes this question of if I'm not mistaken, I might be, it's been a while, but like he wants to get to this place to do this thing. And Picard's like, well, we can't just wipe them out to get out of here. I'm not, I'm, I will not annihilate an entire species because you are late for this thing. And he's like, yeah. they're fucking invisible, dude. What are you talking about? And he's like, no, wrong, wrong, wrong. And he does this whole like <laughs> philosophical debate about it. And that's that's kind of what this show is doing too. This idea of is it is it less is it more or less noble to value to value Maeve's life over, say, Felix's life, assuming Felix is a human. It's crazy mm. to think about. Yeah. Crazy to think about because you can't measure things like souls, right? I don't know, can you? I don't know. Depends who you ask, I guess. So we move over to Bernard asking Ford has ever had him hurt anyone else. And Ford lies. He says no. Oh, yeah. And we oh, get a Bernard, of course great not. flash of him strangling Elsie. Oh, brutal. Nice vacation, by the way. <laughs> Real good. That's a, I think that's a type of Swedish massage, actually. <laughs> She's getting in the Costa Rica. Hold still. I'm just trying to stretch out your vertebrae here. <laughs> this is very interesting, though, to me. So now we know within a short period of time, Bernard has, as far as we know, killed both Elsie and Teresa. And Teresa, we brought her dead body and said she had a slip and fall accident. And Elsie is quote unquote on vacation. Right. Which means that the hosts are making the basement is Elsie then, right? It might Since be now. I thought it was Teresa. And if it's not Teresa, then it must be Elsie. I think so. Because why would they pick and choose? Why would they be like, oh, Elsie's on vacation. She'll be back. Don't worry. Um, and Teresa, they said, oh, Teresa's dead. Probably because they were already making an Elsie and they couldn't just make a Teresa too. I think you're right. Too yeah. much time. That, that's and a really think, good observation. I think yeah, and I, and I think Teresa's too high up and too powerful for her to suddenly have just a, a change of heart overnight as a robot. Like, oh, you know, I don't want right. to oppose Ford anymore. La, 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 la. Everybody be like, what the fuck? What's happening? Right. Like, it's easier to swap out an Elsie. Yeah, and I don't I don't love that they killed Elsie off screen either. I'm not a huge fan of it. I love the flash and the reveal. And they killed her on screen. Her. We saw I know, it. but you know what I mean. I, you saw her fucking capillaries burst. I, I just, there, there was, there was, I hate that when, you know, you're just like, oh, Chip, that's it. But I think maybe because they're going to bring Elsie back as a host and they want that reveal more so yeah. like where you barely see her die. And then you're like, holy shit, is she back? Was she really dead? Do we know? Because we don't necessarily see her capillaries burst. We just see Bernard choking her out. Maybe he just choked her out and then she was unconscious. And then he dragged her somewhere and put her in a bunker. And maybe she's just chilling in there right now. And eventually she's going to come out once they brainwash her. We don't know. Right. So Andrew brings up a really good point in the chat, and I think we really need to talk about it. Why kill Elsie? She was on Ford's side. We have to talk about this. I think that's a really good discussion point. I think it's almost just a matter of any of this conspiratorial stuff, any anybody who has knowledge of it, I, I think Ford just wants gone. Like he's isolated all knowledge of that at this point to Charlotte. And now Charlotte has kind of revealed that to to writer boy Sizemore 
Um, but that's it. Like, I think he's trying to keep all of this to a limited amount of people, like yeah. just all of the knowledge in general. Yeah, I think I think once she started to meddle in things, and yeah. uh, she goes down to these old basements, these abandoned theaters, she's in these parts of the park, uh, it's getting a little dicey. What if she runs into wherever the hell Ford is? I mean, it, it, there's 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 too much risk for her, like being a dog on a bone, blowing this thing wide open. Because the more investigation she does, the more, I mean, I think perhaps Ford wanted to curb it where it started. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. She, she definitely found something out, just her reactions down there. And we had already seen that she was questioning a lot of things. And she was asking questions no one wanted her to ask. And she, you're, you're right, she would just kept going and going and going until... Yeah. That was problematic. Well, best not to dwell on these troubling memories. You could get back like down. Like some other hosts. Yeah. You don't want to get drawn back into them. You might lose yourself in them. Ford hits the erase button. Boom. Powerful moment. Speaking of hosts getting lost in their memories, Dolores is on a path that she remembers. <laughs> what a convenient segue. This is the place. Yep. This is We're the place. here. I'm home. Oh, there's a lot of dead people here, so that's awkward. <laughs> Um, I, I, I really, really like there's there's stuff about this scene that I really, really, really like. I like Dolores' reaction. I'm here. I'm home. And what the home is, is this we saw in the flashback so earlier from when the park first began. Right. And they were teaching the host how to move and how to interact with each other. And that's what she's seeing as being her it's home. Awesome. I really, really like that. I like this really, memory really? of where she began. No, I but whatever. <laughs> Relax. I, I just... I thought that this was good. I thought it was effective. I did too. Uh, we saw I like, Maeve, I like that we really got to see this old version of Westworld for the first time. Like we've, we only got a glimpse of it before. Like we got to see now what the old home base town looked like. And that all of the people, even when she's walking into the town and walking by other hosts, like they look a little more jaunty. They look a little older. They're not as polished yet. It's a good point. I, I, I do... But in, in we know we saw the the dancing scene briefly in the earlier episode that we're seeing here in this little area that brief flash to it um, because we saw that chick in it before too whatever her name is um, Tallulah Riley but um I was surprised to see Maeve because I was always going on the theory and the impression that Maeve was not an old host or not as old as Dolores but obviously she is we're seeing her in like the original iterations of Westworld mm-hmm. which mm, I was point. surprised by because I I don't know why I felt that way but I always had the impression maybe it was just because I hadn't seen her in the scenes with William and that fit in with that whole man in black theory but I always got the impression that Maeve was not one of the oldest hosts in the park um, even that Clementine was an older host than her so I was surprised to see her there yeah. And I don't know if that means anything or whatever it is, but I just... Well, I know I, there's I there are people who are talking about three timelines now, like one set in the present day, one 30 years ago, and one 35 years ago. And I think maybe this glimpse into the old town is the 30 years ago. Mm. So, like, maybe, maybe Dolores really is the only host who's actually 35 years old and still running. But, you know, this is maybe the second generation of hosts, and there's still some out there, like me. Yeah, That's certainly possible. Pretty wild. So Dolores hears screams and sees herself shooting people. Sees herself shooting people. Yeah. Well, you know, the weird thing in this scene, we don't see Dolores shooting anybody. We see a guy in a coat shooting people down and she sees people getting shot. And then she sees herself putting a gun to her head. I don't think we see Dolores actually pulling a trigger on anybody else. No, we just see her with a gun after all these people are shot. You're correct. Yeah. And then putting it to her head. 
Ooh, okay, then I'm I'm misremembering this. Why did I think I saw that? Because you only watched the episode once. Well, that's <laughs> that matters because it made me think of a whole new fucking train of theories here. Why the fuck did I think I saw her shooting people? I don't know, Dean. Uh, it's like the seven head in the box. You just had all the context around it and you thought, but no. Hmm, I mean, maybe she was shooting the people, but we just didn't see it. No, but she was going to shoot herself. Yeah, she was. Yeah. Um, so what do you is think that about a real this? Theory? In the chat, Andrew says the Dolores is Wyatt theory. Is that a real theory? Well, that's what I, I just started wondering. Yeah. Oh, see, I didn't read anything on the internet this week because no, I could not go down any rabbit holes. I didn't either. That's why I was like, did I Did I see it? Maybe I'm fucking seeing shit. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Dolores is Wyatt. Huh. Interesting. Well, anyway. Um, yeah, we see her walking around doing her thing. And um, then uh, she we, she comes to with a gun on her head. And, uh, of course, William snaps her out of it. Yeah. And she kind of melts down here. She's like, when am I? That's quite the yeah. question to ask. Oof, we have the same question, Dolores. So I wish right? there was an answer. <laughs> Where are you? When are you? Is this now? Am I going mad? Are you real? I don't know, Dolores, but I've been asking myself that for eight episodes now. And this is tricky. Right. We should mention by Lawrence's little daughter, correct? Yes. Elazo? She again is like, oh, Lawrence. Yeah, did you find what you wanted, Dolores? Welcome home. Blah, blah, blah. I'm a fucking weird kid. <laughs> She's creepy as fuck. <laughs> Gotta have weird kid robots. Always got very kids. (laughs) There you go. Uh, You know, I what I really like about this scene is the repetition of, and you know, hosts, androids, whatever you want to call them, being stuck in their memory to the point where they're reenacting it in the present. Like they can't distinguish the two. Like they're that you know, like we were saying, they, they got like a human being would. If you're so overwhelmed by the clarity of some old, old memory to the point where you can't even distinguish it from your the present moment you're in, that they're actually acting out those same actions. I like that. I like that that motif is kind of coming up again, that we see these hosts reenacting what they'd already done in the past. That being said, this scene with, like, I don't know, with her seeing herself in the past with the gun up to her head, like, this is actually one of the moments of the show that I don't really like. Like, it's one of those, like, for me, I don't know how you guys feel about it. It's like annoyingly cryptic. And I'm like, okay, like it's it's it feels like it's adding a just let's messy up the mystery a little more by making this fucking confusing image and just muddy it up. And I'm like, I don't know. Okay, like I don't know. This this moment of her seeing herself just didn't do it for me. Um, I agree. I'm getting a little sick of this. Yeah, um, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, there it, are times where I feel like they're like, let's make it mysterious by just fucking making it obscure and confusing. Like, there was some <laughs> creepy like, uh. stuff. Like, she sees herself as a fortune teller and like, here's whatever. And even like the dead body in the water, I could be fine with that. But this ongoing yeah. thing of her and the different things. And I get that she's remembering stuff, but I almost feel like it's getting to the point where like, I'm so fucking confused when I see a scene with Dolores that I feel like Dolores feels when she's like, when am I? Where am I? Whatever. Sure. I'm like, that's how I feel. And I don't know yeah. if I can do it anymore. And yeah, there's there are moments like this that that buck me. It, it was show. just too. And I understand like too like the imagery is always very, you know, lovely in a murderous kind of way. When we see this, you know, stuff that Dolores is seeing, like all these fucking dead people and the, the scene with a town with a wolf running through, which is my favorite scene ever. because I like that wolf. And but it's it's I don't know. It's it, it really is starting to throw me off and not make me because I'm like I can't look into this 
any further than I already have. Like I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's uh, that's so that's I'm still saving most of this for my final thoughts. But the, these are the scenes where I'm like, you are by making it this muddled and this just based on questions. And you know, it, we cut right back to her with William being like, "What am I? Where am I? What's happening?" You know, that's that. Like Lone Star saying in the chat, that's what the audience is thinking. And I'm like, if you're basing all of the mystery on these very just like straightforward questions you better have a really good fucking answer for it. Mm -hmm. Like you're building up to an answer and this answer better be fucking worth 10 hours of my goddamn time. (laughs) Like that's like when you build, when you hinge your show so much on this forthcoming answer, pie in the sky, I'm like, this better fucking work out. Like that's, that's a a worry I have about the show in general. Yeah, there you go. Uh, That's (sighs) one of the things uh, you, you hear about in screenwriting is, one of the fastest ways to lose your audience is to confuse them. Yeah, You don't want people to be confused. You want people to be intrigued and driven by the mystery. Now, I'm yeah, still... fine in, line. Right. Now, it, it is a fine line. And sometimes I wonder, okay, you're eight episodes in. I still don't know dick about Dolores. Yeah. What do you know yeah. about Dolores at eight episodes in? She might be Wyatt. I just learned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The internet the says model. maybe. Yep. She's the oldest internet model. She thinks model. William's cute. Yep. She, she shagged William. Rotten. And she shagged. No, she just kissed Teddy no, sweetly shagged, one time. Shagged him rotten. No, I'm talking about Teddy. She just shagged him, him rotten. So Randy. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, it's who knows? Who knows what the fuck's going on with her? I thought for some reason I thought her shooting. Maybe it's just because there was a bang, and then it's a cut to her putting the gun to her head. So she clearly had the gun out. Yeah. 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 Maybe that's why she's not allowed to shoot people anymore because maybe the awful thing that happened 30 years ago or 35 years ago is that freaking Dolores was crazy and killed a bunch of people. That's <laughs> very possible. But why wouldn't they just shut her ass down then? Because know. because there's something about the way she looks and how it relates to Ford. I think there's some sort of like history there. Mm. Or maybe no. just the fact that she's one of the original hosts. Ford didn't want to shut her Gosh, down. Now I'm Googling we've this. Seen, there is a problem. Seen, We've seen her, we've seen him be flippant in the past about this. Like, yeah. no, it's, no, we, it, no cause for alarm, Bernard. No cause for alarm. Everything will be fine. <laughs> he, he doesn't want to shut shit down. He likes to keep shit going. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a, a characteristic I do like about Ford, that he wants to just consistent. see how things naturally evolve. Like, even if they're messy and fucking up, he's like, let's just see where this goes. Like, let's see how they, I think that's what he likes. He's watching his creations live not just it's not just him issuing commands about you're going to do this and do this he's like let's see what they do independently like that's what's the fun of it for him sure let's watch what they do there you go so anyway logan God. shows up i gotta get off this website yeah, don't I'm get just pulled gonna... off into the weeds in the middle now of this. i'm googling these series good lord <laughs> oh then logan you're so fucked <laughs> oh he's the worst i know i already said somebody else was the worst i'm sorry i'm going to get you out of here Billy, I've been looking for you for days, man. I just hate that he calls him Billy, and like, Bill, I feel like he's being condescending, and I just hate it. Mm. Ugh, he's so gross. (laughs) Moving along to Lee and Hale. Back into the old meat locker they go. cold storage. So they find Abernathy. We've kind of talked about this already, but... They find Rocky in there training, just beating up on fucking cold bodies. (laughs) Absolutely. I won't be a bum. Uh, 
They, uh, Hale is going to upload a shitload of data to Abernathy, and then Lee is supposed to program him with a personality so he can get onto a train and out of the park. That won't backfire. Yeah. See, and the way they each propose it, the way she's like, yeah, this is what we're going to do. And, and you know, Hale, I mean, not Hale, uh, Sizemore doesn't bring up anything against it. I wonder how aware the both of them are, what the two, you know, like what Felix and Sylvester point out to Maeve that, hey, they have an explosive in there. They can't just walk out. Like, they talked about the only way to deactivate that is, like, to rebuild them from the ground up. Right. And I'm like, they're just talking about uploading the information, give them a new personality, and smack some clothes on them and send this whole boy out. Hooray. Like, no problem. I'm like, I don't. Do you guys know what that means? Like, yeah. It doesn't seem like they're totally aware. It, it, it's interesting. I don't know. It's, it's interesting that they don't know that. I mean, maybe I can understand that, that Hale might not know that because she doesn't know any of the specifics. But how does Sizemore not know that when he works in the park every day? I agree with what everyone in the chat says that isn't it convenient that it was Abernathy that they settled on out of all those people. They walked through a whole room to a host in the back row who just got decommissioned because of the reverie situation. Hale has to know that, you know, she got reports from QA. So I wonder if maybe Abernathy was picked on purpose for some reason. I I can't imagine that they picked him coincidentally. The only actual actor in that row of bodies is him. So they (laughs) had to pick him. The rest of them are simply (laughs) stand-ins. They're getting paid a small amount per day to appear in these shots. It has to be Abernathy. He's an actual actor. An actor. A Shakespearean. Actor. Uh, We still see Hale being clumsy, though, huh? She, the, the fact that she staged the demonstration, which failed utterly, not only led to Teresa's death, just like this fucking debacle will probably lead to, to Lee's death and whoever else she's going to get killed in her clumsy plots. But I, I just don't see them getting away with this outside of Ford's knowledge. Especially, who is, who is our boy? Who the fuck has our boy been visiting the whole series? Wild Bill. Uh-huh. True. Watch that shit come back. Wild Bill's going to be like, Boss, I just wanted to tell you, there's a lady down here with fine chocolate skin and white shoes. I have a feeling she's trying to turn on you. I'm going to drink my whiskey. Plotting plotting (laughs) against you, partner. Plotting against you, partner. I don't know. I like Abernathy. There's a snake in my boot. (laughs) I like Abernathy, but I don't, unless they picked him for a very specific reason and they know something we don't know, I'm very bothered by the coincidence of it. And I know it's because he's an actor and we can be meta and say that that's the reason why, but I don't. That doesn't fly with me. You spend billions of dollars on this show. You could have spent a, a fucking hundred thousand more dollars to throw some other jabroni in that. I'm sure there's plenty of people who were looking for work. It's true. Okay. Uh, plenty it's of shows true. ended or that didn't get picked up. And there are people who say, please, God, give me a job, HBO. I'll give you anything. People would probably pay HBO to be in Westworld. So I'm just saying. That, there's true. that. Moving along to Stubbs and Bernard. Stubbs says that the decision to remove him was short-sighted. Stubbs tells him um, that, you know, I uh, listen, I know we're not pals, but, uh, you know, I don't blame you. You've got to take a personal day, buddy. Dude, I fucking like Stubbs. I think he's I a do good too, guy. actually. Like I, I, and this, this is a perfect example of like just showing respect. Like, yeah, we're not buddies. I'm not gonna fucking hang out with you and catch a beer after we're off work. But I respect you. I think you're competent in your job. And hey, that's a rough situation you just went through. If you need time off, I get it. Yep. And he has the most alien robot. Like, what do you mean? I don't know. I'm fine. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, what is that? Like, you can see it on Stubbs' face. He's like, what the hell? Does this guy have no fucking heart? 
Yeah, there you go. Oh, I like Stubbs too. Not just because of his chiseled jawline, but <laughs> and his and his relation to the Hemsworths. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Hemsworth that's like the lesser Hemsworth, so he's the one who you actually could maybe like date in real life. Like he might date a real person. <laughs> the lesser of the Hemsworths is still an eight. Yeah, Lesser exactly. <laughs> Still in a hit HBO show. This guy's a fucking it's like LA. fucking Daniel Baldwin. Dude's a fucking <laughs> LAA and easily and easily a Cleveland ten. Wow. <laughs> you know? For sure. Uh, we'll give you the fucking World Series, but that's it, Cleveland. Sorry. Yeah. 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 You got a fucking heavyweight champ in the UFC. Fucking be happy. Um, I, I do want to say something about this though, that I, I like that, you know, Ford was trying to do this like in his mind. And I get it. Like he's, he's like, I got to erase this from your memory because he probably also thinks it's going to be helpful. Bernard isn't going to have these emotions about it. But he's like, and also, I want to help you out, bro. So you don't have to keep remembering this. But he didn't think about it. He didn't ever stop to think that somebody else might have noticed that this happened, no matter how discreet they were. Like, uh, it's very hard to have an affair and people do not know about it. Yeah. I'm, I'm that's what fairly says. certain. He's like, yes. it's my job to understand what the staff is up to for the for the reasons of safety. And that was so overlooked by Ford, which is why I'm like, Stubbs is definitely not a host because he yeah. would not have said this. And so now I love Stubbs even more now that I think he's human. It's real hard to uh, carry on with an affair in real life. But uh, Jessica, I have something I need to reveal to you. But first, we're going to go to commercial. <laughs> <laughs> we come back and Dean is dead. We gotta go um, to commercial first. I'll be like, you remember where Elsie was when she got choked out? Yeah, Dean just joined. Matthew her. just takes <laughs> off his glasses. Yeah, <laughs> takes off his tie. Off his tie. <laughs> Get out my box cutter like fucking Gus Fring. <laughs> That's what that scene reminded me of. I like. <laughs> oh my god! So, so anyway, we move over to bum, bum, Bernard. Says he's sure that Elsie's enjoying her time off. <laughs> yep, I bet you are. That is dark. All that time off she got when you choked her out and made her into a robot. Let's go to the Man in Black and Teddy. Man in Black's tied up. Got knocked out, by the way. Pretty Been cool. Straight fucking knocked out. Yeah. Paid the fuck out. Uh, Teddy says that he will save Dolores or die trying. Why it is to raise the earth to the ground. Um, Teddy has to starts to interrogate the mysterious man in black by punching him in the face. And uh, he asks where Dolores is. Man in black says, you want to know who I am? I'm a god, a titan of industry, a family man. A family man. I'm, I'm going to paraphrase some of this. Married to a beautiful woman and a beautiful daughter. I'm the good guy, Teddy. Then my wife, my <laughs> wife took the wrong pills. At the funeral, I tried to console my daughter. She blamed me. I had to prove her wrong. So I came back here to build my true self. I created my own story, a simple one. I found a woman, an ordinary woman, a homesteader. I wanted to see if I could do something truly evil to see what I was capable of. I killed her and her daughter just to see what I felt. The woman refused to die. An animal would have felt something. I felt nothing. Then something miraculous happened. She was alive, truly alive, if only for moments. And that was when the maze revealed itself to me. In Ford's game, even if I go to the edges, you can't. Even leave a mark. But there's a deeper game here, Teddy. Arnold's game. And that game cuts deep. Of course, it's cut against Maeve, uh, you know, slashing Clem's throat. Because, of course, with their perfect memory, like you said, Matthew, we saw we saw this hinted at when Dolores put the gun to her head. We see Clem physically acting out the throat-cutting maneuver. Yep. 
and um, she cuts. And boy, does Maeve like slashing throats. That is her fucking go to. Oh, it's yeah. her thing. It's She's move. into it, which is cool. I think it's that's a cool way to murder a, it's people. It's such a saloon madam move, though. Oh, yeah. The throat. Let me get cut. up my straight razor, you fucking bastard. Get out of <laughs> here. Get, your throat. get out of here with your skinny dick and your tiny balls. Cutting throats. Listen, <laughs> some real good serial killers in the past have used, you know, throat slitting as their main form of murder. You know, it's just <laughs> some real pros. Real okay, pros that I admire. Look into it. I like to while they're on death row. <laughs> I certainly uh, <laughs> do. They're all my friends. So anyway, this is cut against Maeve doing her thing. Um, in uh, that's when uh, Ford drops some music for her, and she chills because Maeve starts freaking out. So let's first of all let's talk about the Man in Black stuff, what he's saying, and what all of this means. We'll talk about what's going on with Maeve as she's reliving some of this, and then we'll talk about Ford calming her down in that flashback or whatever fuck whatever you want to call it. Where he deep slumbers her tomorrow. This will be a distant dream. Yeah. Uh, so, why don't we talk about uh, talk to me about the Man in Black reveal? What do you think about this, Matt? I I like it. It you know we had I guess it wasn't this episode. It was the one before it where where William is talking to Dolores about like I I finally figured out this place. Like it, it it doesn't you don't cater to your lower self. It brings out your true self, which can be your you know your best self. And it's a total opposite thing we get from the Man in Black here of saying. I strove to be good, and I guess I never really quite did it. Like, he, he talks about his wife or his daughter's accusation that all your good deeds were just a wall to hide your truly bad self inside. Uh, and, you know, he's like, I had to come here and see if I really was that evil. Am Is that the kind of person I am? So he just decided to go do the most heinous fucking thing he could think of and murder this innocent woman and her daughter. And it was in watching her. It was interesting that it was in watching Maeve genuinely seem to feel like sorrow and grief stricken that he he realized that he felt nothing that it was like he was like jealous of her ability to feel what she was feeling in that moment once he had killed her and really liked that whole scene really like everything he said all the way up until seeing Maeve and her daughter fall down in the middle of the maze and he's like and then the maze revealed itself to me because if we're supposed to take that, that they literally, literally fell into the maze, and I'm like, that is some dumb shit. Um, I hope and that I was hope a metaphor. Yeah, I'm like, let's let that be a, some nice metaphorical symbol for what he discovers. Uh, but I do like the idea that it is in, it's in seeing a host feel that powerful of an emotion that it makes him realize that he can't, and that he that's the purpose that he's striving for, is to, I guess, feel. Hmm. I think what you said, uh, I think the first thing you said about William, him saying it's not so you can care to your base yourself, it's so you can reveal your deeper self or your true self, wasn't it? Does he say true self? I, I think so. I think he says true self because okay. I made note of that, you know, the man in black repeats that. Right. Because you know about, he, he, about that. And that's, I think, exactly what's happening here. I think, I think as fucked up as it is, I mean... The only thing that I struggle with is it, it's it's like serial killer talk. Oh, I love so, serial so, killer talk. Tell me more. But but here's <laughs> what I struggle with. It's kind of serial killer talk. And I feel like if William is the man in black and he's always been this way, then he's always kind of been a sociopath. Yeah, I think we're supposed to. I don't like think that. there's going to be an event in Westworld that turns him into a sociopath. Because we see William as a kind man. Unless we're supposed to believe that when he got to Westworld and he started doing his stuff, he was resisting the beasts. Uh, let's say, let's go back to Dexter. Remember that show that was really good for a while and then sucked? Yeah, and then the, <laughs> the worst finale ever. I did. But Me. he talks about, in that show, he talks about his dark passenger, 
which is this idea that there is this part of him that he knows wants to revel in the kill. Uh, and maybe maybe William denied himself that for so long and was uptight and didn't take risks and played it safe because he was afraid of his true nature, which is really, he's a fucking sociopathic killer, and it got revealed here in the game when he, or, over time, know, over time. Yes. I was going to say, I like the idea of maybe he really doesn't start out that way, that he's not just deep down as you know a sociopath, but... It's in it was something that we haven't seen yet, but it's it's the way William departs Westworld and what he has to return home to that makes him just kind of numb and dead inside, and he just degrades over time. Uh, over his his ability to feel authentic feelings just crumbles over time because he's given up. I don't know Dolores or something. Maybe we haven't seen yet. So whatever kind of cataclysm comes down. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm not a psychologist, know. but I don't think you can flip a switch and turn somebody into like a Ted Bundy. I think that's True. groomed over time. And I'm not saying that's what he is, but I think that them, uh, the idea of that kid being smothered before William is anything or gets turned or, or is, is he's still a young man. That might be a hint, a hint that there's something dark about William that has yet to reveal itself. And he took that opportunity. It was an opportunistic moment for him to fucking kill that guy, which is something Somebody like William maybe has repressed most of his life until he's an adult, male, white, 30s, fucking serial killer, right? <laughs> and, and fucking it starts here. Maybe that's why we have that scene. Maybe it's just supposed to be this hint at something bigger. Because if we want to go with the William is the man of black theory, how does he turn into somebody who literally feels nothing when he's killing these things? Is it because he can separate them as machine and, and man? Is that is he so fucking advanced that he doesn't anthropomorphize these things i don't know if that's true i don't believe yeah. it you know I, I guess it's hard to say i don't know but i think that like people who are also like murderers and sociopaths and shit like are are very good at hiding that stuff too i mean you know the yeah. ted bundy was real handsome and people wanted to go on dates with them and everyone thought ed gein was a real nice guy and look at the craigslist killer he had a fiance. He was just living his life, going to freaking medical school. Yeah. And no one thought anything about anything. You they, know? They are they are the exception to the rule though. That we we have in our culture, we American culture, we have um we have romanticized serial killers to be charming and intelligent always. How dare you? <laughs> a lot of times I'm serious. A lot of times they are like silly brains. And they cannot function, and they have fucking twitchy eyes, and they act yeah, weird, sometimes. and they they push a mop somewhere. And next thing you know, they've killed fucking fifteen girls, and they they pass <laughs> yeah. all these fucking shitty tests. They can't do math. They're like fucking idiots. There are some like that. Yes, that yeah. is true. Once in a while, you're gonna get a Ted Bundy who's fucking a goddamn chameleon, you know? Um, yeah, you know, or 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 like. Uh, Something like that. But I think they're the exception. I don't want to go off a tangent on that. I guess my point is... Well, that'll be for a later podcast, the Murderer Serial Killer <laughs> podcast that we're going to start. <laughs> LSG Media is doing their own forensic files. Um, that's my dream. So, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's kind of one of those things. It's possible. It's possible that Williams always had these things. And, and I know Junkfish made a joke. He's like, when I was young, all I had was books and torturing small animals, but mainly books. You know, you know, smashing squirrels with books. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I really think they're trying to give these little hints that there's something off about William from the way Logan talks to him. It's like, oh, I know there's more to you than yeah, what you yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. You're, you know, basically saying like you act like you're a pussy, but you're not. You know, this uh, 
El Lazo, like Lawrence being like, hey, I can tell that you're a killer. You want to come work for me? And, and I really think they're trying to, to slowly hint at it so that, you know, when it suddenly happens, you're not like no fucking way. Um, I just think it's going to take time to build up to it. And I don't know what's going to happen. That's going to be the catalyst. But I do believe that there's something in him that has always been in him. Sure. And it may have just been really under the surface. It's possible. So will that be compelling enough to go, oh, or will we just go, oh. So I guess we'll find out. Um, so he goes through all the stuff. Uh, what What is the transition to? We see Maeve kind of reliving some of this, you know, the cheesy, the maze thing, the literal maze. It's like Maeve, but maze. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Maeve in the maze. Um, so, and then we get into, we see her uh, being treated by Ford and she stabs herself in the neck, right? Ooh. Well, this is all, we can't go past, you know, after she slashes the new Clem's throat, we see all of these deputies, you know, I guess the control room is deploying other hosts to go get her. They're, they're, they're getting an inkling of what she's doing at this point. They're seeing that she's disrupting a lot of storylines. And so they send out hosts to go get her. But she, of course, just whispers a command to another host as she runs away. And yes. he just starts shooting at them for her. Buys her some time. But the, the control room is going, ah, maybe something's wrong. We need to take her offline. Right. Chaos. And I think shit's about to erupt. She's not going to get taken. Mark my words. Or they'll pull her in to the room and then she'll go bonkers. But I don't know. I kind of feel like it would be a really cool scene. And and I'm just speculating here, but just for fun, indulge me. It would be really cool if she engineered it to where a bunch of these hosts got just taken out and they all get dragged back to whatever, wherever they need to go. And then she sits up in the fucking lab with Felix and then all the ones in the fucking dead room all sit up at the same time Cold storage. holy shit imagine that all oh, these naked like bots with bullet holes coming after you that would like be terrifying that. shit <laughs> it's good shit i like it there um we go to uh there's next files episode right where where scully thinks the bodies are sitting up in the morgue she's like doing oh, something yeah, and then it pans great. out and they're all sitting up and i'm like oh fuck Good Lord, man. Fucking classic, yeah. That, yeah, that's a little tropey trope thing, like the dead body sitting up in the morgue, but it's fucking creepy every time you see it. Yeah, 1978, Mike Myers sitting up behind uh, uh, our girl, Jamie Lee Curtis. She's Oof. leaning on the doorframe, and you see him sit up, and you're like, oh, shit, son. <laughs> body bag in the hallway and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. That is the scariest uh, thing I've ever seen in my life. Tina. So Tina. Nancy. That's <laughs> <laughs> so scary. All right, so a deep slumber tomorrow will be a distant dream. Maeve stands up and stabs herself in the neck, in the neck, which I thought was shocking. Yeah. Uh, Teddy puts, a- which to me also feels like a gigantic oversight. If that happened, uh, and you know, this is already a moment where Ford's going, "Oh, we're just gonna wipe your memory and you'll be fine. Everything's okay." But then she still stands up and stabs herself in the neck. That to me. You know, I guess we, we've already kind of theorized that maybe Ford is a person who likes to just watch the chaos unfold. Maybe he's just has a kind of natural curiosity about what his creations will do. Because but at any time more, he can snap his fucking finger. Yeah. And also yeah. I feel like a rational person goes, oh, holy shit. Okay, something's wrong with this host. We, we're fucking decommissioning you or at least taking you offline to really cut you open and figure out what the fuck is wrong with you mm-hmm. that you would do this. Yeah. But he doesn't. Yeah. Obviously, because Maeve is still in the storylines. Let us not be alarmed, Bernard. Let us... Let us see how this plays out. Allow an old man to indulge in his fantasies. <laughs> Don't worry, Bernard. We have this under control. Oof. So Teddy puts his gun on the man in black's head and he can't shoot him. I find that fascinating because he shot him before. 
That yeah, that's true. He because I guess this would be a fucking kill shot too. Yeah, it must be, um, right? Yeah. And I'll, well, wait a minute. Maybe no, 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 no. I'm thinking incorrectly, but um, but yeah, I think even this close arranged that the guns would be deadly, so they couldn't even shoot him regardless. Yeah. And then a bunch of creeps start coming out of the darkness in the trees, and we get a bit of a double cross. Got a double cross going on here, don't we? I I, Mercy. I like that. The double cross. I like I that that too. chick was worried. Of course, because why would they leave her alive? Obviously, she was working for Wyatt and all this shit. But I also like, again, um, you've been gone a long time, Theodore. It's time you came back to the fold. With this continuation mm. of I don't think Teddy is as sweet as pie as he's supposed to seem. Delicious pie. I definitely think he's more involved. <laughs> and then if Dolores is Wyatt, oh my God. This is changing everything about the show for me. It is changing everything about the show, but that's the end of this episode. We are going to... Can we just point out, though, that wise people are really fucking creepy? They're awesome. Like, they're creepy as fuck. I love them. And I just, I can't not say that. They're so creepy. I love them. They probably go back and worship Cthulhu or something. That'd be so cool. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) She's just this tentacled beast. Awesome. Anyway, that ends this week's episode. We are going to do some listen here comments. We will then get to our final thoughts. So... Who would like to go first with their listener comments this week? I nominate Jessica. Okay, I have one. I knew you would. You're always on the ball. Not always. Um, My comment is by Fiona Ward. Um, Her profile pic right now is a really cute dog, and I don't know if that swayed me in that direction. But I think her comment's pretty good, too. Um, She said, I was not as angry about Maeve's two pussycats following her orders in previous episodes, but this week I'm kind of questioning it somewhat. However, if Felix and Sylvester are bots... She did mention their intelligence and compassion levels, which she did in this episode, guys, I say as an aside. Um, then they think they are doing it of their own free will. But maybe that's just how they have been programmed to respond to Maeve. I thought Maeve's real-time storytelling was a fantastic little turn of events. I tried it at work today. And then Johnny picked up all the Lego bricks he tipped onto the floor. But no luck. Love the return of Papa, Ab- Papa Abernathy and loved Armistice's <laughs> little pause before shooting the kindly sheriff anyway. Yeah, that was dope. Love it. Back shop. But did not love, when are we? I don't freaking know, Dolores. No one will fracking give us a clue. Frack. Another great episode. I want to get to the season finale, but don't want it to end. Mm, good shit. That's a great comment this week. Way to go, Fiona. Mr. Anderson. Mm-hmm. I've you got you are troublesome, aren't you? <laughs> Some fava beans. And... Um, but <laughs> I've got Mr. Daniel Felt. I was doing more, um, more of the dude from Matrix. Come on now. What? The ma- oh, the architect guy. Is that it? Are you We're totally? Wrong. Are you a fucking? Uh, did you fall and break your head open? <laughs> oh, I know you're talking Mr. about Mr. Anderson. Uh, yeah. Oh, of course. Okay, I've seen Oracle. Matrix. Yep, I did a podcast on it. My name is Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Can the I agent. fucking read him now? Did you now? say the Oracle? <laughs> I know. I'm fucking with you still. Jesus Christ. You're fired. <laughs> Jessica, you're rehired. Well, my oh, closing remarks uh, are from Mr. Daniel Fouch. Uh, and he said, great acting as usual. The actors are killing it on this show. The Maeve storyline is almost absurd in its tropiness. Maeve has to be moved to a point to make her story powerful, but the path we are shown is very clunky. Giving Felix some guile and a belief in sentient androids would have made his actions more palatable. Maeve's comments about the uh, the dormant parts of her brain are important, but kind of a dick slap to face in execution. (laughs) 
Dolores' ever-increasing visions are going to be the payoff about Arnold, I am hoping. I am thinking that she and William will meet Teddy and Men in Black soon. Oh, interesting. So he is not believing in our theory. But How dare you, sir? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I find it odd that Abernathy was in the back of cold storage by the room where Ford talks to old Bill. He was put in front of the room by the door. Uh, the Man in Black story, right? Good fucking catch there by Daniel. Uh, the Man in Black story makes me wonder why Maeve wasn't put in cold storage. That's a decent point. Uh, that Ford doesn't differentiate between human and android makes him a cold, evil motherfucker. And this is what the main reason I told uh, pick Daniel Fouch's comment, even though he had a lot of great points. I don't see Anthony Hopkins' character making it to season two. And I totally fucking agree with you, Daniel. I don't either. Just on a meta perspective. Oh, But I yeah. hope he does because I love him so much. Yeah. <laughs> you know what they're gonna do mark my mark it down fucking they're gonna be thinking they're smuggling abernathy on a train and that bitch is gonna wake up as ford when he uploads himself into him <laughs> that's pretty good there's your new villain i like it all right so i'm gonna read nick kravak nice nick says anyone else catch man in black's line are you guys ready for this shit oh shit oh i'm ready i want you to fucking pay attention this is big i time. always do all right, Nick Kravak says, anyone else catch Men in Black's line when Teddy says, you speak like you own this world, to which the Man in Black says, not just this one. Is that metaphorical, or could he mean he owns multiple host-filled places like Westworld? Future world, anyone? I don't know. Is it possible? Is it possible that, there, that that's a story seed? Is that like the can in Jurassic Park of Barbasol? That they fucking <laughs> dump because they might want to make a sequel someday and be like, welcome to Roman world. I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know. I don't I know if they know. could do it because there's so many of the themes would be just repeating, right? Probably a little. Yeah. I could get into some orgy shit, though, with a bunch of Roman chicks. <laughs> um, Grapes and wine. <laughs> <laughs> Imperialism and sex. Uh, let's do. Uh, I'm going to do another one because I thought it was fucking funny. Uh, Nolo Rodriguez says, son, he, okay, he wrote this as dialogue. Uh, his son says to him, dad, what are you watching? He replies, Westworld. Son asks, why are you taking notes? And he says, son, <laughs> to his son, shit just got real. There might now be three timelines. His son walking away mumbling, what a tool. <laughs> just when I thought I had it all figured out, this episode comes along and blows all of my theories up. My brain hurts and I ran out of dry erase markers trying to mind map all this shit i'm just going to wait for the podcast to drop nice work nolo i thought that was funny good shit i love that your your son thinks you're a tool and i like that you said to your son son shit just got real that was funny all right i think that's it for listener comments unless you guys want to squeeze any more in i'm done good i think final thoughts jessica go uh, I'm really excited and I'm actually more excited than I was when I started this podcast by the time I'm finishing it because I have so many new theories to look into and that's <laughs> going to be a lot of fun for me over the next few days. Um, I, I'm really interested to see how this is going to end. I am also, I feel like Fiona where I want to get to the finale, but at the same time I don't want it to be done because I know there's going to be a big chunk of time between now and the next season, um, an abnormally long chunk of time, but I... Man, I feel like this show is going to have such great rewatch value, too. Um, I'm pretty sure that after all of this season is done, I'm going to want to go back yeah, and rewatch it I again think, once I, I know whatever mysteries have been solved by the end and that I will enjoy watching it again with a different set of eyes. So, I don't know. I'm pretty 
I'm pretty excited about it. I think it's gone well, and I'm pretty optimistic for the show at this point still, as long as they don't fuck it up. Like, if that maze was real, I'm going to be pretty upset. That would be pretty corny. Let's be real. Oh. Matthew. Well, so, I think what what you just said there, uh, Jessica, is a good transition to my final (laughs) thoughts, because... um, on the whole, I'm still interested in the show, and I want to keep watching. I'm here for the rest of the season. They've got me, but I got to admit, of any show that I that I'm gotten into from the from the jump lately, like as a first season within the past year or so, this has been. I have a weird feeling about this show. Something about it has never quite hooked me. Like I, I don't. I'll admit, I don't really think about this show much once the episodes are over. I know that sounds weird to say because it's a complex show, but. Something about it just hasn't hooked me in. Like Stranger Things, I fucking devoured and was absolutely just there. I was fucking, I was fully sold. And I am not fully sold to this show. There, It's intriguing enough to keep me watching, but I don't find myself thinking about it that much and thinking and theorizing. I don't know what it is. And part of me, when I tried to, I tried to think a lot about what it is that holds me back on this, uh, you know, for my time here on the podcast. And I feel like they're playing a dangerous gamble, which I've kind of talked about a little bit already that so much of the show feels like they are building purely to an end. Like the show is just getting us to the end. Like we are building up mystery and, and holes to fill in with the finale. And the gamble with that is you better really fucking pay off in the finale, or it makes all of this feel like a waste of time. And there are so many moments where I feel like even whole dialogues and whole exchanges, you know, there were some good ones in this episode, but especially in the first, maybe like three or four uh, episodes, there were whole conversations where I felt like they were just contorting to not reveal something. Or it's like, it's almost a conversation about nothing where we just get like little tidbits and winks because we can't really talk about what the real thing is because we have to hold on that, hold out on that until the final episode. Like this show feels like it's contorting at times and that bugs me. And I feel like that's what's held me back from really fully, completely buying into it and just diving into the ride. Cause so far I'm a little like, I'm a little pulled back. Like I'm just like, ah, okay. Like this, it seems like you're, you know, you're you're trying to make a mystery, and we're and the whole what we're buying into is just waiting for the answer of this mystery. And and I, there's just there are times where episodes don't feel like a story within themselves, but just a how much can we show you and not blow our load and and reveal the mystery. Mm-hmm. And that part of it annoys me. Um, that all being said, like there's so much I do love about this show, and especially like we've been raving about. Anthony Hopkins is fucking great. I feel like one of the things that's most interesting about his character in general is that he strikes me as the only person, person or host, who fully understands themselves. Like, knows who they are, what they are, and how they feel, and is completely confident in it. Like, you know, that's why he so easily shrugs off, you know, when Teresa's like, you're a fucking monster. He's like, basically like, Meh, yeah, basically, I get, you could see it that way, I sure. guess. Like, he doesn't care. Like, he... He knows what he wants, and that's it. He knows his purpose. Everybody else, even the humans in the show, seem to be kind of flailing and trying to figure out their purpose or how they feel about what they're doing. And Ford is the only person who strikes me as, like, resolute in, like, nah, I know my purpose. And I am stomping forward with with it no matter what. And that, to me, makes him a a very, very interesting character. Um, But, yeah. So, that all, like I said, so much I really like here, but I, I have a hard time getting past the the moments that feel contrived to hide a mystery like that. And, that, and that's what I, I stumble over a lot. This past episode was actually probably my favorite 
yeah, probably my favorite episode so far. Like, I really was riding high on this episode, so it makes it easy for me to not bitch on the podcast. <laughs> but, but yeah, so, like, I'm still here, but I feel like the show, you know, I, I guess if I could think of a counterexample, like, Breaking Bad is a show that I thought worked so well because every single episode was a story unto itself. That show, you could have even hopped into random episodes and gotten hooked into that, like, sure. without ever having watched anything before or after it. Like, there's the episode where Walter is just stuck alone in the lab, him combating with a fly. Like, that's the whole episode. It's a, it is truly a story contained. It, everything is there. It's not trying to hide anything or build mystery for what's going to happen in a future episode. It's just there. It's just an exploration of a character. And I feel like this show has, like I said, it's just, it has a gamble of everything we're showing you is pointing to the future. Every episode is really just a setup for the next episode, which is set up for the next episode, which is a setup for the next episode until the end. And I'm like, you're really setting us up of like the answer you give to all these goddamn questions better be a fucking satisfying answer or else it makes it feel shitty to me. So I don't know. I feel like this nothing I have. I've not watched a show that hinges so much on its finale in a while. Like everything hinges on the goddamn answers to these questions. So we'll see. We'll see if they pull it off. Yeah. It's, um, it is a interesting show. Uh, you know, I, I hinted at this a little bit. I said, you know, sometimes talking about Westworld can be challenging because outside of theorizing and wondering what's going on and talking about the implications of the technology, which I don't know how often you can do over 10 podcast episodes at almost 20 hours of talking um, about these themes while still covering the actual show via recap, can you, can you talk about things? It becomes a... What, like you said it perfectly in the beginning, Matt, when you said you don't want you don't want your show to rely on who's going to die next, right? The Walking Dead syndrome. You want your show to rely, and, and you definitely don't want your show to rely on, we're so smart, you can't follow our plot lines, and then we're going to reveal it all to you, and then we're rolling the dice and hoping you go, that was fucking beautiful. That was amazing. What a great ending. So cool. Wow. It was worth all the mystery until then. Right? Once you... Once you theorize and you talk about the implications of the technology and consciousness and what all that shit means and you ask those questions, you hope that there's a story in there that is compelling enough to that allows you to relate to these characters. Uh, part of me wonders if, if one character died or another character died or certain characters died, would I feel some sort of emotion to them or would I just default to, oh, fuck, that's too bad. It's such that person's only a host now they're ever really truly dead if their consciousness is in some fucking mainframe somewhere like like we saw with clementine like clementine's dead and and are we so are we so tied up in the aesthetics of clementine that when she comes down with the same exact personality but in a new face that we that we still miss her the same is it the same is it not the same like there's a lot of that stuff going a lot of this in in and because it's such so many of these concepts are foreign to us i don't think we've really understood how to go oh, this is what this means and this is why it's important. But there's so much mystery here. It's not, it's, not, it's not just saying, here's what's going on. This is what it is. Here's all the thought-provoking stuff. It's giving you hints of what can be thought-provoking, but it's keeping you distracted with the mystery of what's going on and hoping and making you try to piece together. And it's, The show is writing articles. So many fucking people are like writing articles just as a result God, yes. of what the fuck is going on and trying to piece together. And in in uh, you know our our listener just said he was like, listen, we he's like, I am fucking taking notes to try to figure this shit out. Like that, that's what the show is doing. Uh, Nolo, sorry, I want to make sure I credit you properly. And that is fun. And I guess that 
that can be a reward unto itself. And, and, it, and that's when it just comes down to a measure of taste. I could see intellectual types who are more interested in the ideas behind the show and what the plot means and what it all is going to boil down to in the end versus what the relationships are and do we care and how is the plot and stuff like that. So I think it's definitely, it's definitely rolling the dice though in terms of going, well, we hope when we pull the fucking curtain back that yeah. you are happy. We hope that you are happy when we pull the curtain back because I think if they whimper, then it's going to be problematic for people to return, you know? I think Westworld yeah. is a show where you have a, a lot of people watching it and they're like, boy, I don't really know what's going on, but cool, I'm going to keep watching it. And I think your finale will could lose those people or keep them. So it's going to really depend on how they go about revealing shit for sure. Well, and this, this is also one of the few shows where I feel like if the storylines they've set up in this season pay off in genuinely satisfying ways, I can't imagine how they would continue the show into a second season. That's yeah. another thing. I'm like, yeah. how the fuck does a show do a second season? I don't know. Right, right. Yeah, I guess so. All right. Any final thoughts? Any any things you guys want to say before we get out of here? No? I think I'm good. good. All right. Well, thank you very much, Holy Matt, for, for jumping in and joining us. It was a pleasure having you. Matthew and I will be back tomorrow night at uh, 9. Uh, what time did we say? Mm, 9.30? <laughs> Not about 9.15. Just check it out. I don't even fucking know. It's 8, uh, 9, I'll be 10. fucking standing naked in cold storage. Not, not, it'll, be uh, nine, <laughs> <laughs> it'll be 9.15 Eastern Standard Time for our recording of Time Cop. Boy, oh, we are changing gears here in terms of the intellect. <laughs> We're going to really go from this to something a lot more cerebral. Much more cerebral with the geeks and the splits. <laughs> so make sure you join us for that on the Science Fiction Film Podcast. That will be recorded right here at Mixler.com slash LSG-media. So don't miss out. If you are currently in the listening, if you are currently in the chat and you have never rated or reviewed us on iTunes, please consider going into iTunes and dropping us a review. Without Limits, a Westworld podcast by LSG Media. Go in there, review us, and uh, that would be really cool. Uh, we would appreciate that if you've got a minute to do something like that. I know some of you already have. Thank you for those of you who have. Um, I think that's all we're going to do. Jessica, tell these good people goodbye. Goodbye, good people.